Hello, everybody, and welcome to the season finale of season nine of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also, as always, it's Matt Stogden. I have to warn you, I've heard sequels based on intense experiences never work. <laughs> correct. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Pretty much. Accurate. And speaking of intense experiences, also joining us is Tim Matum. Hey, 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 Jack! Come back, you stay with me! You're my hostage! Brilliant. Oh, Jesus Christ. This won't mean anything except for a very select group of patrons in the future when they hear the outtakes. I thought Tim was going to start scatting again. Yeah, I did as well. I did as well, honestly. Well, it is a season finale, and we like to do a big season finale here on Sequelizers. We like to go out with a bang, mm-hmm. if you will, gentlemen. A bomb. A, a bomb, if you will, indeed. We are... Fixing, pitching, and talking about this week, one of the worst sequels, one of the famously worst sequels ever. Probably one of those classics of all time. Of all time. Yeah, exactly. There are like worst sequels ever lists. This is always in like the top five, top three, often the top one. We are finally talking about Speed 2 Cruise Control. We've we've teased it in the past. We've teased yeah. it so much. <laughs> I know some people in the Discord and on Twitter have guessed it from our teasers already. Mm. Congratulations. Well done. You don't get anything. Just probably a very long, rambling, silly episode discussing one of the worst sequels ever made. <laughs> if I hear that is your award. nautical puns, I'm going to kick the <laughs> fuck off. Well, I'll just... Uh, <laughs> highlight or delete. <laughs> Screw up my script. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But before we get to talking about one of the worst sequels ever made, I'll say a little thank you to our lovely patrons on patreon.com slash sequelizers because you can get ad-free episodes, you can get early access to episodes, you can get exclusive merch, and you get exclusive episodes when we're doing interseason stuff, which is coming at the start of next year. Isn't that exciting, folks? And you can get a lovely shout-out if you become an executive producer like these fine gentlemen have. Triton! Hark! Jonathan Firth Clark. Hello! Bid our father, the Sea King, rise from the depths full, foul in his fury. Black waves teeming with salt foam to smother this young mouth with punch and slime. Xenos. To choke ye. Engorging your organs till ye turn blue and bloated with builds and brine and can scream no more. Josh van der Sluice. Only when he, crowned in cockle shells with slithering tentacle tail and steaming beard, take up his fell befinned arm. His coral tine trident screeches banshee-like in the tempest. Michael Belcher. And plunge us right through your gullet, bursting ye, a bulging bladder no more, but a blasted bloody film now, a nothing for the RPs and the souls of dead sailors to pick and claw and feed upon, only to be lapped up and swallowed by the infinite waters of the dread emperor himself. James McDowell. Forgotten to any man, to any time, 
forgotten to any god or devil, forgotten even to the sea. Josh Miles. For any stuff or part of Winslow, even any scantling of your soul is Winslow no more, but is now itself the sea. And of course, Mike Salvia. You're fond of me lobster, ain't you? Thank you, executive producers, and thank you everyone who has supported us throughout season nine on the our Patreon. We very much appreciate it. you make these twelve episode seasons possible. You make the in-season stuff and the big project, which we will reveal at the end of this very episode. We're kicking off twenty twenty two with a big one, <laughs> a big three episode trilogy of interseasonness. Goddamn. Yeah, it's a big one. We've we've so talked about this we've talked about that. and around this thing so many times we honestly thought we need to make its own thing it's, mm. we're not even doing an episode of sequelizers we're not doing a an interseason episode we're doing three interseason episodes to kick off mm. about one big big subject an epic three-parter an epic three-parter and we will reveal mm. all at the end of the episode so before then before then let's cover some and bullshit. right now let's talk about Speed and indeed, of course, cruise control, aka <laughs> speed two. Jack, what's your history with buses? <laughs> uh, I've lived in Norfolk for most of my life, so not great. <laughs> yep, they're often broken down late or both. I've breathed in so many fumes from the back of a bus, not because like people are smoking on it, but because the engine is broken. Yeah, and it's like, <coughs> 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 what is this? My, my experience on ships has been better than my experience on buses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never been beaten up on a ship. <laughs> been beaten up many a time on a bus. A lot, yeah. yeah. A lot of fights on buses. Um, That's so weird to me. Uh, what about, yeah, so what about, yeah, Jack, Speed, Speed 2, what's what's your history? Have you, it's one of those things where you've only just seen them like the last week or something. Uh, I've seen Speed a couple of times before. Okay, cool. I'd seen Speed many years ago, and then fairly recently, I'd say within the last like five years or so, and then... No, it was since we started Sequelizers, because I specifically didn't watch Speed 2, because I knew I'd have to watch it for this show <laughs> one day, and I thought, I want to go in fresh. And as of, a, what would it be, I watched it over the weekend, so mm. four or five days ago, yeah. recording this mm. on a Thursday, I went in as blind as I possibly could to Speed 2. I knew it's on a boat, and Keanu Reeves doesn't come back. Yes. That's it. Yes. I didn't know Willem Dafoe was in it. I didn't yeah. know all those meme faces were from this <laughs> fucking movie. Yeah. I didn't know all those terrible quotes and references and stuff that I've heard so many times, as is my way, are from this fucking movie. It blew my mind that it is even worse than I'd heard it was. Holy shit. It's almost transcendently bad. It really is. It's remarkably impressive. It's, dare I say it, and Ooh. stop, stop, stop me! If, stop me if I'm wrong here, I, gentlemen. I feel like I'm up for. You know exactly where I'm going with Cold this. Cold bucket of water for you. It's son of the mask levels. Mm, I mean, Jack, I, I get it's it. Bad. I it's, didn't want to stab myself in the dick. Yeah, it's not as unpleasant to watch. The thing about Correct. Son of the Mask is it's aggressively bad. It's, aggressive. it's un- unintentionally horrific. Yeah, yeah. This is blockbuster bad. Yes, it's still a blockbuster in terms of like it still thinks it's doing something very clever. Yes. And it thinks it's achieving it well. It obviously doesn't. About the only thing I like in this is some of the explosions. <laughs> some of the score is okay. Ah, 
it's fine. I mean, I'm being generous. It's fine because yeah. it's it's recycling a lot of the speed score, which is very good. I know, I know yeah. there's a drinking game of every time they reference the first movie, take a drink, yes. <laughs> and most people pass out like 50 minutes to an hour into this yeah. movie. Yeah. And so yeah, somewhat of a history with the first one. I, I remember watching it and enjoying it over the years and hadn't seen this monstrosity until very, very recently. Mm. Tim, how about you? I didn't see the first one in cinema. Um, I can remember it being about and being very in the pop culture. Like, it was a big hit at the time. Um, and there were lots of jokes about, like, oh, the you know, a thing can't slow down, you know, or, th- oh, it's got to stay at this speed kind of thing. Um, it's it, a classic it was... blank is die hard in a blank. This yes. film is die hard, I think. Yeah. Sure. It's speed, but on a blank. Yes. Or this thing can't slow down or whatever. There yeah. was a episode of Father Ted. Called Speed 3. Yes, yeah. By, yeah. by terrible transphobe. Uh, Graham Linhan can fuck off. Yes, uh, that was set on a milk float um, that had to keep going at like four miles an hour. Can anything be said for another mass? <laughs> it's like that's all we got. We had a three hours of planning. All got to say another mass. Yeah, yeah. No, Father Dead is still brilliant, but it is half written by yes. a piece of shit. Yes, but yeah. And I can't remember when I first saw Speed, but I can remember switching. I saw it on TV, and I can remember switching on. Not knowing it was on, but catching it right at the beginning. And as that, there's a long shot that's just descending an elevator shaft. And it's basically, it's just got the 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 kind of the credits playing and the score going away. And I was like, is this a Metal Gear Solid movie? Because the score is yeah. so much like Metal Gear Solid. That's partly because the Metal Gear Solid 2 release... I can't remember who it was they got. Uh, it was a guy, I think, who did the score for Enemy of the State. Right. And it was like, get him to do, like, um, the Harry Gregson Williams. There we go. Okay. Get yeah, him yeah. to do a version that's more cinematic, that it's in line with, oh my God, this sounds like The Rock. Yeah. Or fucking as like, Enemy of the State, that kind of yeah. like, oh, this is amazing. This feels cinematic. Yeah. And you're right, that, that sort of theme came through. Yeah. 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 Um, and then I was like, oh, it's speed. I've never seen this. And, and, um, and watched it and enjoyed it. And then at some point I saw Speed 2. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, and and was like, wow, this is not good. But also it was quite, I was still quite young when I saw it. And so I wasn't quite as a, I didn't go into it with quite the brain to appreciate how bad it was. One of the worst sequels ever. And yes, go, yes. I went in with that expectation. It hadn't a, got that my reputation 30s. really at that point. Yeah. Um, even though it had been roundly trashed when it came out. Um, but I also wasn't as plugged into the world of cinema at that time. I think it was before I'd started reading stuff like Empire, where right, you would get yeah, those yeah, yeah. lists of like the worst sequels ever kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I watched them quite a long while ago. I don't think I'd rewatched Speed until I'd watched it in preparation for this. I think I'd only seen it the once. Um, and going back and revisiting it, I was like, it's so fucking good. <laughs> it's so tight. Uh, in the same way that Die Hard is tight. I was about it's like to, perfectly. I, I made the comparison to Die Hard earlier yeah. for a reason, and it's sure. and it's very much a Die Hard derivative, um, in that it's hey, let's die trap our on hero, <laughs> hero in one yeah. location kind of thing. Yeah, yeah but yeah. it's probably the best of them, probably better than any of the Die Hard sequels. Sure. Yeah, it's it's probably it, yeah, it's incredibly well written, well directed, well acted. The stunts are great. The special effects are great. It's really the, memorable as well. It's incredibly memorable. Um, I was saying to Matt the other day, like you forget because so much of the marketing was like, "Hey, it's it's the bus that's going to blow up if it drops under a certain speed." You forget that there's a significant chunk at the beginning that is the elevator bomb, 
and and then diffusing that and, and getting rid of that and a chunk at the end which is them on a subway train or a, whatever they call it in la subway. metro or something yeah because that chunk on the bus is so memorable but it also does the smart thing of they re- they clearly realized when they were writing it hey there's a limit to what we can actually do on the bus and at a certain point we're going to have to get off the bus um, and we can't start on the bus we need to set up the threat and all that kind of stuff so it's it's very cleverly written because it yeah. that middle section is so iconic but it also it doesn't it doesn't end up dragging on too long that it runs out of steam essentially matt tell us about your experiences with speed it's a drug. It's very dangerous. <laughs> ah. Ah. No, uh, okay, so I was too young to watch Speed in cinema, but I was aware of Speed. I saw Speed on Even TV a couple of years 10 later. 10 when it came out or something like that? Uh, First one's 94. 94? Yes, yeah. 10, yeah. But I remember the, the impact. I remember it was like this amazing. And people seem to forget the certain 90s blockbusters, certain 90s films were fucking huge. I mean, for example... Speed made as much money as Goldeneye and The Mask. More money than things like Batman Forever and The Rock and Seven. It's like, yeah. holy shit. Yeah. It was huge. Like Twister, for example, was like the 15th highest grossest film of the 90s. People forget that. It was another Yanderbont, for example. Yeah. On, on a budget of around $35 million for the first movie, it made $350 million which in insane. the 90s, which is double that, basically, at this point. And yeah. Again, this was not a... It was a rated of 15. It was an R in the States. Yeah. So it's it wasn't like, you know, oh, we're obviously going to rake tons of money in and we'll get to the sequel because I did see the sequel in the cinema because that was a PG um, in Britain. I think... Is it built up to like a 12 at one point? It was BBFC classified to PG when I saw it in the cinema, I'm pretty sure. Mm. But it feels like it's a 12 now. I'm not sure. No. I can't remember. But either way, I was 12 when I saw it because I saw that and Titanic in the same year. Because uh, they released it in the same year as Titanic. Yep. I mean, to be fair, they did it before Titanic and haven't forgot about it. Yeah. Um, but I remember I'd seen Speed on my TV, probably an edit version slightly with, you know, it's mm. pan and scan. Was it in 4.3? So it would have been the full amazing image and it would have been on a television. So, you yeah. know, as we experience these things. But I, I loved it. I thought, it was, again, I, I, even as a kid, I thought this is high octane. I understand why this is amazing. It's mm. so good and so on and so forth. And I remember, I think it was 96. I saw Chain Reaction mm. with Keanu Reeves. <laughs> And I thought, wow. Rachel Weiss in that? An early Rachel yes. Weiss movie? Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. And Morgan Freeman, I want to say. Mm. And I thought, yeah, this Keanu Reeves guy's fucking great. He's amazing. And then I saw Point Break on video around the same sort of time. I was like, I was going through this amazing moment, like, oh, Speed 2. I can't wait to see that guy again. <laughs> I was like, who's Jason Patrick? It's like, <laughs> the guy from. Who is Jason Patrick? We've, we've been asking that for 25 years. <laughs> I was like, welcome uh, to Inside the Actor Studio. <laughs> yes. Let, Let me ask you, fucker. Who is Jason Patrick? May I speak? May I speak to the real Jason Patrick? Is he here now? Is he in this chair? Is he with us this evening? Tonight? Here? And then Willem to go, Spider-Man! So I had seen Lost Boys at this point. I didn't make the connection. It's the same motherfucker. Same. Because he had short hair. Yeah. Sounds stupid, but yeah. And I saw Narc a couple of years later, which I really like. And he's really good in that film. But obviously I didn't know that at the time. All I knew was, and this is the thing, I did. I, I, even when I saw speed two in the cinema i had assumed they recast the role even though they say jack and alex i hadn't really twigged that it was a different person so i just assumed oh they got another guy playing the counter it, it it just feels like a weak photocopy of it is, I mean, keanu it is they, 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 do... they, they planned to have keanu back yeah and he yeah. didn't come back but they and did... they were like, well shit yeah, when they, they didn't the script, yeah. get him they made no effort to differentiate like even no. jason patrick even has a similar haircut yeah, yeah. and just like i'm like, yeah. known for having this long wavy cool hair <laughs> and it's like 
shave it all off. It's like, yeah, he's got the he's got a great jawline, but he looks like a forty year old he's man. The yeah. most angular jaw, just this like perfectly chiselled, yeah, modelled jaw. Yeah, it is. But I remember thinking, thinking, oh, and again, it's only on rewatching it. I think maybe in the early two thousands for some weird reason. I thought, oh fuck, wait, 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 Alex. There goes Jack. Oh, she's referring to a different. Oh fuck. She talks about her ex. Yeah, like, I did oh, yeah. not appreciate that's how that was. Work. Yeah, so I, I I watched it with you know through a new lens, as it were. I thought, oh, this is terrible because she's gone. She's like, oh, I can't go out with you because my last relationship didn't work out because he was always in danger and I was worried about him. And he got me pepper spray and I thought it was perfume. Yeah, because I'm psychotic and can't read weird and stupid and what and also a danger on the road oh my god so we're getting into it quite early they welcome to speed two tim they dumb her down so So much much. in the second film it's infuriating and she has weird moments where she's like suddenly in control and it all makes sense you're like oh yeah this makes sense Yes. For like 15 seconds, she's like, right, get the people over there, get them on the boats, do the thing, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, oh, I use pepper spray as perfume. Nobody would do that. Are you a cartoon character? The whole opening sequence in Speed 2 is about her driving bad. She's a good driver. She drove that bus at 50 miles an hour through LA. She... She, the, only reason she, yep. the only reason she does they have a joke in the first one about how she'd lost her license for speeding doesn't mean she's I mean it means she's a bad driver because she sp- sped but it doesn't mean she's a fucking incompetent incompetent driver, driver yeah. Yeah, not like to the level that they portray her as in yeah. speed two she's saying am I right and the, the instructor says right and she goes oh right and she goes over three lanes and behind her a truck of like tons of glass bottles spur into the street and she just goes dooby dooby doop mm. it's like no, you're oblivious, hideously oblivious. Yeah. And as you say, it makes her remarkably dumb. But we'll, we will we'll come to all that. So um, I saw Speed 2. I was remarkably disappointed. And again, 1997, also the year of Lost World Jurassic Park, which I still don't mind too much. I still think it has qualities that I think are okay. Yeah. But Speed 2 was just horrifically disappointing and felt like just an entirely different thing. Again... It still, it was still Yand Bond. It still had budget behind it. It still had a cinematographer for a for a director who was creating this thing that was quite accomplished. It looks okay at times, yeah, but it is remarkably dumb. The pacing is suddenly awful. The characterization is terrible. It's there's it, so it, much about it. It's work. the slowest fast film and the <laughs> fastest slow film I think I've ever watched. There's in my no time urgency life. to any of it. No. no, the the first speed film is a perfect exercise in building tension yep like not in the hitchcock sense but in the action movie sense it's perfectly executed and it's easy to understand yeah here is a needle the needle is on 50 now it's armed shit they never in speed 2 they never even fucking say like they go like oh we're headed for an island no one ever asks like how far away is that so there's no sense how long have we got what's the plan here yeah Yeah. also you're on a ship it's going fast but it's actually very slow yes and they it's funny that they they keep giving the speed in knots and no one ever says like what's that in miles per hour because it's probably incredibly slow it's the same but it also means that we have no sense of how fast yes. it's going going into this i had assumed it's a speedboat because <laughs> oh wow because speed yes is in the name like of, a yacht kind of, of the a fucking yacht. a luxury yacht that goes quick or a, you know not necessarily a speedboat that's like four people sat in a fucking thing but yeah. like enough that it goes fast and you yeah. can watch it moving. Cruise ships 
are famously slow. <laughs> and cruise control, yeah. that phrase is about moving slowly <laughs> in speed two. There's a film from 1930 directed by Howard Hughes called Hell's Angels <laughs> with Gene Harlow. And Howard Hughes being, you know, fucking ridiculous. He's, he was one of the inspirations for Tony Stark originally. Mm, yeah. And that's why Howard Stark is called Howard Stark. Exactly. And very, very, you know, talented aviator and maybe war profiteer. Mm. Um, and Howard, Howard Stark, Tony Stark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he created, you know, very, uh, the, I think the Hercules largest plane that ever built at the time was his mm. and all these directions. He wanted, he wanted to get into film things. He was doing a direction. And he had these really amazing, impressive ace pilot stunts in his biplanes for his war film. And they're doing these, you know, terrifying, death-defying stunts at, you know, whatever height. Except when he watched all the footage back, he said, something isn't working. And this is the same thing happened with fucking Tony Scott with Top Gun. Um, it's like, this isn't working. Something's not right here. And it's like, why don't I, why cannot convey how fast these people are actually going? And it's like, oh, hang on a minute. There's no landscape. You only see the sky. So I am no point of like, reference. Exactly. Yeah. Same thing with the sea. The sea is enormous. So you don't tell. I mean, if you see a boat on the hor- or a ship on the horizon, it's going fast. Yeah, sure. But not really. And not as fast as you think it is. Yeah. And so it's only when it comes into close proximity to something, do you realize how fast it's going. And even then you can definitely outrun it. There's, the danger isn't that it's going to, you're going to get crushed under the weight of the thing, mm. arguably. The danger is that thing is going to take a lot to stop. It's the Yes, it's big and it's it has momentum. momentum. That's yes. exactly it. And the but, film very rarely conveys any of that shit. Yeah. And that's what's most, well, not most, that's what very frustrating. Whereas a bus, everyone understands. Yeah. Um, so understandably, Keanu Reeves has sent the script and says, look, I love you, Yander, but I love Sandra. I'll do it, but mm. this script... Oh, it's bad. No, yeah, and I want to go on a tour with my band. Yeah, no. I want to play my And band. then be in the Matrix. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I fully understand why I wouldn't want to do this. Um, although, admittedly, as Tim and I were discussing previously, this film, there were ways you could do it. I don't know what Tim has done for his fix. Yes, Tim is pitching. And we, we mentioned it earlier in the season, but mm. Tim is doing the season finale this time. I think you have to have Sandra Bullock. And I think you have to have Keanu Reeves. And it's like, well, how do you get him back? Good script. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you get back. It's as simple as yeah. that. Yeah. Because, yeah, like you say, he was willing to come back and do a second one, but they sent him just the script, that one. And yeah. it was trash. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and fair cop it's, it's also Wise man, Keanu Reeves. It's based on a dream that Jan de Bont had. Yeah. yeah. They, they, because they had several different ideas. They had one about like a jet that couldn't go above a certain height or it would explode above and it 10, was flying through feet. the Andes yep. and stuff mm. like that. But Yanderbont was like, no, I've had this dream about a cruise ship crashing into an island. I think I want to do that. The original uh, speed screenwriter Graham Yost had an idea for a film involving a boat with a Vietnam War era vessel loaded with weapons that would explode if its ammunition came in contact with water. He also had an idea for a story about a plane that has to fly through the Andes but cannot ascend above 10,000 feet. I don't dislike that one too much. I think there's anything interesting there. On a plane is much more interesting than a fucking cruise ship. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you make a cruise ship work. But again, you have to film. It's too slow. I know, I'm always going to do this. And we're going to have to come back to this at some point. We're into Are you defending whatever. cruise ships again, Matthew? Eh, kind no, of. you did in the outtakes. No, no, no. <laughs> it's more the sense of there are ways you can show things that are slow to show that they're terrifying. Um, yes. I mean, again. Like that scene in Austin Powers, yeah. Fucking hell. Or Deadpool running someone over on a Zamboni. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. No, it's, it's more the sense of things like if you think about the nebula fight in Wrath of Khan or Hunt for October, that is like submarines are slow. 
mm. and nothing's happening. How is this intense? Like you can film it in a way to make it intense, but it's very hard to do that when it's like it's a boat and it's out and it's going this way. It's like you know there are ways that they could like have tugs like push you aside. Yeah, there's so many things you could be doing. And they, here. They, yeah, there's like, like we say, there's so little like context. There's no sense of urgency to it at all. They do no. nothing to try and establish like real stakes to establish like why things need to happen by a certain amount of time. Yes. And I think the, the, the idea of like, Hey, these ships are big only really comes in right at the end when it crashes into the Island. That's true. And even then that sequence takes so fucking long that it robs it of any kind of horror yeah. because it, it just keeps going and you just keep going from vignette to vignette of like, Hey, here's a thing. Here's it crashing into this thing. Here's it crashing into that thing. And there's very little because it's would be really hard to do of here are humans against the enormity of the scale of this ship. Mm, And and here's why it is so terrifying. Get the camera down low, look up at the ship, look how fucking big it is. A ship Um, is terrifying to see in real life because contemporary cruise ships are like 25 decks. Yeah. Mm. It's like fucking huge. Yeah. It's like a literal, which is, it's like it's like a town yeah. on water basically yeah it, yeah it's it's a it's a like a las vegas hotel yeah. yeah 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 um but i will say that again tim has this perfectly the first film knows to not keep you on the bus the whole time yeah because there are things like i've driven a car or in a bus i know that there's traffic i know there's this i know there's that the freeway being route is stupid but it's like oh my god a, a problem we haven't foreseen yeah there's no way around it we can't just turn the thing around not everyone has a relatable thing about anything nautical. No. And even anyone most, who knows... Most people haven't been on a cruise. The, especially not in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Even now it's a, a small number, but it's... Especially cinema-going audiences. Mm. Like, yes. Yeah. Because it, 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 at the start, it does nail a few bits that are like tropes. Yeah, oh. like chasing an ice cream truck on a motorbike, right? Oh. <laughs> no, what? It's, it's, a, it's a nappy truck in it yeah it is yeah yeah it looks well, it looks like an ice cream truck I was like, stolen dvd players it does yep. like a fast and furious it does yeah it does, yeah it's computers and it's like what kind of computers we want right here like, it's like, yeah. God, it's, yeah it's, it's just such shit. a weird opening but, yeah so so basically speed to this day despite being 25 plus years old mm. is a rollicking good car i mean there's very little cgi in it it's mm. it's practical almost ship. entirely practical yeah practical stunts it's really someone getting it's not keanu reeves going under that bus but there's really someone going under that bus jumping onto the bus yeah and get their legs dragged on the highway and it's like fucking hell sandra bullock is charming and hilarious um just enough that if you are irked by bullock you will get that much um keanu reeves isn't wooden no people think he is but he's not compared to fucking jason patrick um he's he's like energetic and into it and charming Mm. and in charge and charismatic and young jeff daniels is a funny motherfucker and a great Mm. one to pair with him um Dennis Hopper is unhinged. Yes. Magnificent choice, even though a baffling choice. And you take all of those things and the original crew and the original team and put them onto a new story. Okay, what are we doing now? We need an unhinged person. Let's get the guy who played Jesus in that Scorsese film. Willem Dafoe? <laughs> yeah, him. Okay, fair enough. What about um, Wooden Boy? Jason Patrick? Let's go with it. Yeah, it's like, let's okay. get Charisma Vacuum Jason Patrick. I don't. I don't. It's, do we uh, want to do anything to distinguish him from the hero of the previous film because he's a different person? I no, didn't no. forget that he's the different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, if if possible, we want to fool the audience into thinking he's the same person. And that's yeah. But he's got, not got any of Keanu Reeves' like charm or like physical like presence. Yes, doesn't matter. 
or chemistry this, with Sandra Bullock. Yes. No. no, no God. Ke- oh, such zero chemistry. Spends the at- entire time avoiding having sex with her. And uh, I, you know, I've got a lot to say in the yeah in yeah the, when we the, get to the synopsis yeah. Well, we, yeah yeah there's a lot to talk about but their whole dynamic and relationship it just doesn't work because Keanu and Sandra had such good chemistry in the first one and these guys are supposed like spoiler alert for the synopsis we're about to say they fucking get engaged after seven months. For no reason, yeah. after, after him after lying to yeah, her, after he's lied to her for this for the entire time. relationship. He's like, by the way, I'm a SWAT officer or whatever the fuck. It's like, what? And like, oh, by the way, I met you because I caught you jaywalking. Yeah. Then we went out. Then I told you because your last boyfriend was a cop who got in danger. That I'm not a cop who gets into trouble. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it. I am, of course, horribly oh, wait, lying. I'm, I'm a cookie cutter, and we forgot to change the script. Which again, just to, just to set the scene for you, everybody. It's the 90s. I mean, it should be very apparent now. The LAPD, not liked in the 90s. I it can't wasn't just, imagine why. It was just any fucking cops. It was the LAPD, white yeah. cops. And it's like, you need to do something here for this image. I mean, the first film makes a few jokes. They're like, Ugh. yeah. Um, but even now, it's like, yeah, that's not a... Trying to make these people into heroes. We're like, oh, it's unhinged. And as you say, it's like, that. well, well you know... Actually, no, we'll save it for the stops because at yeah. the end of the day... We'll get into it in, in the moment. There's a couple of things I want to touch on before we get to the synopsis is runtimes and budgets. There we go. These are fascinating. Gentlemen, what do you think is the runtime difference between Speed 1 and Speed 2? Well, I know Speed 2, but I can't remember Speed 1. I know Speed 2 is like 2 hours 5 or something fucking mm, awful like that. It's 2 hours 6. Oh, that God helps. Sake. I'm going to say half an hour. I don't think it's that much. I, Speed Two feels so much longer. That's and true. That's true. That's the the key here. Yes. Yeah. I think it's only. <laughs> that's where I'm going with this. I think it's only about ten minutes. You are spot on, Tim. Oh wow. Speed One it is feels... an hour is an hour fifty six, and Speed Two is two hours and six. But it, it feels those ten about minutes half an hour longer. Those exactly. ten minutes are an eternity. Yeah, definitely. Because there's, as you correctly said, Tim, the tension doesn't exist, so the time yeah. doesn't matter. And things just move at a fucking glacial pace. Instead like of like, oh, there's interesting things going on in tension and we're on the bus and we're off the bus and we're in yeah. different places and all this kind of stuff that happens in the first one. None of that shit happens in the second one. Mm. And something we really, really need to talk about is the difference in budget. <laughs> so we said, you said about the budget of 30 million for the first one. Correct. Around 30 to 35. I'm yes. going to say because of all the water shit, it's going to be like uncomfortably high. Like, this was a mistake. Oh, you don't know? I don't know. Oh, cool. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I'm I thought it was say... one of the most famous things about this film. No, oh, maybe. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to say it was something ridiculous. Because, again, it's, it's the insurance, it's the water, it's the... We actually hired yeah, out entire fil- cruise Filming ship. at sea is notoriously expensive. Yeah, exactly. And they had six weeks of filming on the real seaborne yeah. legend or whatever the fuck Th- it's This called. wasn't the, the age of, we'll just do a Titanic and build the set and crack the boat and all that shit it uh, CGI. The, the the bit where it crashes into the pier coming into saint martin uh, is a scale model yes of like a literal one for one scale of the bow of the ship it's insane for some stupid fucking reason i'm gonna say do it's it with miniatures you maniac bloody double the budget at least 60 million dollars okay tim any ideas do you know i, th- I don't know oh, i think okay. i think even higher i think it's gonna be something ridiculous like 90 million you think it'd be 100 almost yeah 160 million dollars it was it was one of the fuck? most expensive films ever made at the time of production to be fair water world's around the corner so just yeah. the explosion at the end and crashing the thing into saint martin and stuff 
is a quarter of the entire budget, which is more than the entirety of the first movie. The final shot of this film is more expensive than its thousand times better prequel. And it looks crap. Yeah. It's just, it's a, it's like a cartoon explosion. Also, it's mental. Speaking of 1997 again, obviously Titanic made all the money cost, in the world. Yeah. Mm. And Dude, Titanic cost, Titanic must have cost like $200 million. Hold on. It was, I was, I know it's really expensive yeah. or 150 at least. $200 million. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. I knew that became a very quickly like the, you know, of mm. course it was expensive because you built this ancient ship. Yeah. But Spielberg did it at the end of Jurassic Park 2. Yeah. When it goes to San Diego. And it's only a small part of a big film that has tons of fucking dinosaurs. And he, it was still... I mean, I know people didn't like that scene necessarily about the whole scenario. Yeah. But it still crashed into a pier. It was still cool. Yeah. And there's fucking T-Rex aboard. That's how you made that fucking better. Yeah. Um, and how it, much better would this film be if there was a T-Rex on board? <laughs> Voiced by tons. Willem Dafoe. Oh, no, no, no. No, we replaced Jason Patrick with a T-Rex. Oh. oh. More charisma. You went skeet shooting and left me in bed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a t a t-rex in bed puking with sandra bullock next to it going yes. like told you not to have the shrimp or whatever i love the idea yeah there's literally there's the bike chase the stars like where is he and this t-rex goes, <laughs> just eats the yeah. whole truck it's like damn it alex you're a good guy to have on the force <laughs> oh, <God>. theodore rex style <laughs> uh, yeah in in typical bad sequel fashion it was greenlit for a quote here just under $100 million. Mm-hmm. So a budget of probably like 90 to 95. Yeah. But again, the the amount of profit the first one made, it's always the studio like, we have to escalate this. We're going to do this. That'll make us a fortune. Mm. It's like, yeah. that's not how money works. Yeah. It was later reported the film had gone over budget and cost had ballooned to as high as 130 to $150 million. DeBont acknowledged that he'd gone over budget, but the cost would try to be as close to $100 million as possible. It I ended up. It. it apparently ended up closer to 160. I was going to say, it's like y- you've gone way over 100. Yeah, but lower than 500 million. It's like, <laughs> I mean, yes, yes, we'd never give you that much money. Yeah. Okay. Well, then how about 160? Well, that's much more reasonable. Exactly. It's like <laughs> nailed it. The bond. Uh, Sandra Bullock was paid around 12 million dollars. Wow, that is huge and, money. And, and that is how much Keanu Reeves was offered for the role, and he turned it down. Yeah. Because he yeah. was apparently. Financially secure and comfortable from the first one, and as you correctly said, Tim, yeah. wanted to go on tour with Dogstar. Yeah. Because <laughs> of course he did. He'd also, as Matt mentioned, mm. just done Chain Reaction and was yes. like, oh, I don't really He was exhausted after too much action I and stuff. I think he yeah, hurt yeah. himself on a bike stunt. He well. did. Yeah. He did, yeah. But I was going to say that I think, just to give you guys context, of, I think Tom Cruise might be one of the highest paid actors of all time. He is, yeah. Along mm. with Scarlett Johansson. But the point is that in the early 2000s, in terms of salary, not in terms of um, return, return percentage <laughs> from from profits yeah. from the film, but in terms of just the payout, I think Will Smith in the early two thousands was getting like with iRobot and stuff, mm. twenty million a film, yeah, mm. which is you know a lot. So just to give a context, the female lead of this movie in the late nineties million dollars is, and I'm not saying she doesn't deserve it. I'm mm. just saying that's insane amount of money. That's yeah. crazy money. And it's a bit weird to get your head around. I don't know how much they pay Jason Patrick. I don't think it was that <laughs> It can't have been as much as Keanu Reeves. It was about five million. That's, for, still, for that's still a lot of money. I mean, yeah. he hasn't been in like he he had a few other films around the same time, like Narc. Mm. Hasn't really been in much since. He apparently used his his salary to then fund the 1998 drama Your Friends and Neighbors, oh, which no. is a black comedy with Aaron Eckhart, directed by Neil LeBlanc. 
Yeah, oh. a film nobody's I ever fucking heard of. Yeah. yeah. What are you fucking Francis Ford Coppola? After he accepted the role, Patrick stated he'd never seen Speed and didn't have any intention of watching it either. Um, I kind of get that in a way. Yeah. You don't want to be influenced by the the <laughs> the previous film, but it's like, yeah, but but all the all the producers are sitting there going like, we just want him to be a Keanu clone. Yeah. <laughs> Do this. Like it doesn't make any difference because you're still just playing that same character. Yeah. You can fight it, but that's not what's happening here. Although. Again, nobody hired uh, Don Cheadle to be a fucking Terrence Howard <laughs> in uh, Iron Man 2, but worked out fine for him. Reeves said that Fox, the studio Fox, not the person Fox, <laughs> was furious with his decision and released propaganda against him, falsely claiming he turned down the role purely to go on tour with his band. <laughs> DuPont said the character in the sequel was not specific to Reeves and could be played by any young actor as long as he had chemistry with Sandra Bullock. And well, yet, they failed there. <laughs> you failed at the second hurdle there. He is a young actor, tick. Chemistry, no. You well, know what would have been better? Not, not young looking. No, if, no. If he was a fireman, that <laughs> oh. would have been fine. That would have made more sense Sexy than another fireman. Because it's like, also, then he'd know more stuff about the releasing of bilge pumps and water and that kind of stuff. Like, oh, the yeah. degree to which he fucking... Because he's, he's such an arsehole in that film. Like, we talked about how little chemistry he has. He has no place on that boat, and yet he nope. instantly takes over what they're doing, and he's like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. It's like... You don't belong here, motherfucker. You don't know anything about boats. Yeah, I've got something to say about that in the in the synopsis. Yeah. Should we get into the synopsis? I we should, we should. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's do it, let's do it. Okay, Speed, 1994. Die Hard, on a bus. <laughs> it's great. Very much. LAPD SWAT officers Jack Traven and Harry Temple thwart a hostage incident at the hands of a bomber. You don't get to know who the bomber is yet. The villain is cornered, but seemingly dies in an explosion. Harry and Jack are rewarded for their efforts. I am literally racing over some really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And great sequences because we've got a lot to get through. Pop quiz. Pop quiz. What do you do? Jack witnesses a bus explode and is notified by the bomber, who is alive, that there is another bomb on a bus which will automatically go off if the bus goes under 50 miles per hour. As it gets activated at 50, it goes under, bomb goes off. Additionally, the bomber will manually detonate the bus if Jack attempts to take anyone off the bus. The premise could not be more simple. And it's urgent, and it's there, and he sees the bus go, and he goes, Oh, God! And he runs away. Yep. Uh, okay, so bad thing. Jack commandeers a, gun, a car at gunpoint. Um, he's literally, it's like an African-American dude, and he's like, LAPD, give me the car! And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I didn't steal this car. This is my car. It's like, it's not yeah. stolen. Like, it is now. And he puts a gun in his face. It's like, that is uh, Glenn Plummer. So, he's got the car. And his, let's face it, hostage. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Driving down the freeway, they find the bus and Jack jumps on board. And it's a cool stunt. It it's is. Very good, it's yeah. a very good stunt. Uh, a criminal who believes Jack is there for him fires his gun and hits the driver. Sam. And he died. Well, he died. He gets obviously very, very wounded. Uh, one of the passengers, Annie, who we at this point had more of an introduction to, but that's Sandra Bullock's character. Yeah. She sits in gum. She gum. Gum. Alan Rick. Uh, Alan Ruck. Not Alan Rickman. Alan, Alan Rickman. Rickman. <laughs> uh, Alan, Alan Ruck keeps trying to talk to her. Yeah, he's just like a tourist who's like yeah. having a... I think he's meant to be from like Minnesota or he somewhere. He's got a Midwest. little bit of a Midwestern accent. Yeah, definitely. And she's like, no, I haven't got time for this shit. Yep. I don't want to be on the bus. I hate the bus, but I'm here. And you know what? Mm. No, I'm moving. Yeah. Anyway, so Annie uh, takes over. But when she starts to slow down, say, like, oh, well, I better, you know, pull the bus over. Mm. Jack has to explain the situation to everyone on board. Obviously, people are very fucking panicked. Jack then inspects the bomb and liaises with Harry, his partner, to figure out the bomber's identity. 
he uh, Harry can't be there because uh, Jack shot him. Uh, yes, yes. When when they were fighting the the, the bomber originally, yeah. Uh, Part of the reason that, that Harry gets like a promotion is because he got shot. Yes, yeah. So Jack convinces the bomber to let the driver off as he is dying from the gunshot wound. Now, unfortunately, a nervous passenger called Helen attempts to leave the bus too, but a mini charge is detonated and she dies. So it's very clear that he can see what's happening. The news, mm. the, the helicopters are flying around reporting all this stuff. Yeah. Um, it's This is after the OJ Simpson trial stuff and helicopters following, Yeah. you know. Yeah, it, feel, it feels... It's it products feel, of things that have happened. Yes, exactly. It feels very 90s, but not in a way that's dated, in a way that is, this is plugged into the zeitgeist of the time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. It's, it's again, it's, it's like I told you, no one gets off the bus. And you know there are many charges placed, and it's obviously more of a threat. It's like, oh God, yeah. the threat is real. So it keeps that tension going. And you know, Keanu Reeves gets more angry. Jack and Annie are told that the freeway is incomplete somehow. Well, they've been diverted onto a bit that wasn't in use yet yes so they don't keep crashing into cars basically exactly because obviously the idea that you know the, the, the road could get congested traffic things that they're going to but it, the fact that it isn't finished yet is hilarious and obviously that's not a real thing so they have minimalist cgi mm. where they cut it out so you can yes. see the shadow of the the road <laughs> but it's not there yeah anyway so they uh have to jump the gap it's one of the most famous parts of the movie Despite the lack of ramp, the, the physical impossible. Yes, jump the, the complete <laughs> bullshit. <Whee! Yeah. laughs> and it just goes up. <laughs> it launches it's off of nothing. Two level pieces of road that they then just go. Wee! Yeah. And launch if over. If you've seen the end of Back to the Future Part Three, where the train just goes straight down to the ravine, that's yeah. what should happen. That's what would have happened. Yeah, they would probably just crash into the smash the front bit, smash right into the front of it. You know, yeah, blown exactly. Up. Yeah, yeah. So despite the lack of a ramp, they do, and it's very cool. Um, the bus arrives at LAX because they realise oh, that's why we're going towards we just circle in the airport and figure out what to do yes we use the runway exactly Makes sense, yeah. yeah. so they can keep circling safely uh, while forming a plan Harry managed to identify the bomber as Atlanta PD bomb squad officer Howard Payne played by uh, Dennis Hopper Harry and a unit head to Howard's house but trigger a bomb and are killed and it's actually quite a good moment yeah, yeah. it's really well done he like realises he's done it you get that shot of his face just being yep. like, ah, fuck. Yeah, bang. It's 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 really good. And obviously there's a good emotional side from, from Keanu Reeves who's lost mm. his partner, even though he like shot through him. Um it's 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 again, it's it's nineties buddy bro moment shit, like, yeah, oh god, I'm really mm. I'm invested more now. I want him to die. Yep. So Jack tries to defuse the bomb, but nicks the fuel line. Cause again, as much as I love the idea of Keanu Reeves' character in this, he's not the best of cops. No. <laughs> um, or SWAT officers in general. Mm. So then he's like, okay, we're now running out of fuel. Um, he's told that Harry is dead, but in his rage, learns that Howard has been watching from a camera behind a mirror. Mm-hmm. So obviously got a mirror so that the driver can see everyone in the bus. And he's obviously thrashing and raging. And he's like, oh shit, there's a camera behind the mirror filming mm. through. It's not It's not just been the, uh, the TV crews that have been allowing him to monitor the chase. It's That's what they he, assumed, yeah. yeah. They work it out like, well, we're on the bus. He must be able to see onto the bus. Yeah. He must be able to see onto the bus. Like, yeah, yeah the brilliant little moment when they work it out. Exactly, yeah. Um, so with this knowledge, they're able to loop the footage. They hack the feed effectively mm-hmm. because it's a UHV or whatever it is. Um, and they hack the feed and get the passengers off the bus before it explodes. So you see this triumphant moment of Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves literally just sort of gliding underneath on this piece of metal as the bus careens into a plane and explodes. And it's like, mm. shit, yeah. But the brilliant part of it is that Dennis Hopper feels like he's got away with it. Yes. 
He does. He doesn't know it's blown. He 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 realizes the footage is looped, but he also doesn't know the bus is blown up at that point. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, the police set up a drop for the ransom money, but Howard realizes it's a ruse and takes Annie hostage. So he's he does realize like, hang on, I want to blow the bus. Oh, it's already gone. Mm. Shit. But I'm still gonna get that money because he wants three point seven million dollars mm. or something very small by comparison to contemporary standards. Anyway, he knows it's a ruse. Takes Annie hostage and straps an explosive vest to her. Jack sees that you know. Howard's disguised as a police officer mm -hmm. and follows him down to a hijacked subway train. A lot of stuff happens. Uh, the two eventually fight on the roof and Howard is decapitated by a sign. Yep. yep. It's fucking great. It's great. great. It's really good. So It's so good. It's Dennis fucking... Hopper is fucking great in this movie. He yeah. is. He's got that like... And he's always good. But, like... What do you do, Jack? Huh? Oh. What do you do, Jack? You smarty it, man. You got some... I, mean, I got a plan. It feels very much like Hey, do blue velvet, but tone it down yeah. to PG. Yes, even though this yeah. is an R film, but like make it less creepy as fuck. Yes. but still creepy. And then you have the 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 '90s action hero response of like, "I'm smarter than you, Jack. I'm smarter." And he holds his head up, and then he gets decapitated. Goes, "Yeah, well, I'm taller." Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I mean, you were taller anyway, but sure. <laughs> and then he gets down, and then, and then so at that point, uh, Jack is able to defuse the vest, and you think to yourself, "Yeah, film's over." Yeah, and he's like, "Where's the key?" Oh. Oh shit! Oh god! And like, and then there's a brilliant moment again, which is like, well, you have to go, and it's like, and they're trying to thrash again. It's like, I can't mm. fix, it. I can't fix this problem. I can't brute my way yeah. out of this, and it's it's quite moving. It's like, it's, uh, even after this, she's still gonna die for yeah. fuck's yeah. sake. Yeah, because they've because they've disarmed the bomb, but the train is now out of control. It is Carini's was yeah. yes, exactly yeah. So um, Jack then decides the best course of action is to accelerate mm -hmm. and crash the train, which he does, mm. <laughs> and then Jack <laughs> jump the tracks. Yeah. And uh, Jack and Annie walk outside and make out because it worked out perfectly fine. Yep. No one gets impaled. Yep. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. But I'm okay with that shit because I'm like, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, 90 cinemas erupt. Everything's very happy. It's like, this has been, it's been such an amazing yeah. thrill ride. People, people throw money at the film. Yeah. <laughs> Am I ready for Rush Hour? No, I'm not ready for anything now. <laughs> God. I'm going to get on a bus. Oh no, I made a terrible mistake. <laughs> so all in all, we like speed. Yes. Despite minor flaws and very much mm. tropey action stuff, it's a very yeah rip roaring time. If you are listening to this and you haven't seen Speed or haven't seen it in a while, go watch Speed. It's fucking great. Yeah. yeah. I don't know where you can see Speed. I don't think it's on Netflix or Amazon I, Prime or Disney Plus. I don't think it's anywhere free. Like, you have to pay. I, I for think speed. you have to pay for Speed. <laughs> you got to pay to ride this bus. Yeah. It is on. Virgin Go, apparently. Going <laughs> to uh, justwatch.com, not sponsored, right time but it's the one I always use. At the time of recording, it's available on Virgin Media, whatever that is. Yeah. I don't have Virgin so Media. Richard Branson's got it. Also, yeah. Just Watch, if you want to sponsor us, we will take your money. Well, we'll I'm very, very happy to. I use your service all the time to find stuff so we can watch mm. the good and the bad movies for sequelizers. I would say. Speed can't be more than a couple of quid online to buy on DVD. And more importantly, uh, we'll you can have a buy it for can... $5.99 on Amazon, or you can rent it for £3.49 on mo most services, including Google Play, YouTube, <laughs> Sky Store, and Chili. Alternatively, we'll have a contest for the DVDs at some point. So, yeah, keep your eye out for that. Yeah. That's happening as you're hearing this episode, listeners. It's going to happen right now. Speed. Go to our Twitter. Speed to Cruise Control 1997. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> so you mentioned Rush Hour there. Before we get to the second one, real, yeah, sure, real quickly. Sure. The posters. The first one says, get ready for Rush Hour. Yes. Cool. Do you know what the poster of the second one says? Uh, surf's up, dude. 
You're Don't not, watch this film. You're not a million miles away with Surf's Up, dude. Oh, it's what? Rush Hour Hits the Water. That's not... Meaningless. A thing! <laughs> it's written like it's a phrase. Yeah. Yeah. You know how things hit the water, like rush hours? Like That's not a thing. Let's hit the beach. It's like, sort of. Hit the beach is a thing. Hit the water, Hit I the beach guess. is what the boat does. Yeah. And it hits a beach. Yeah. But Life's I guess that's spo- that's spoiling the end of this terrible die. fucking movie. Uh-huh. But yeah, the fact that you mentioned Rush Hour there, I thought I'd bring that up. Yes. Yeah. Fucking stupid. Um, we open with a high octane chase. Sort of. As Alex Shaw is in hot pursuit of a vehicle with stolen computers. Whatever the fuck that means. Gotta, gotta save the public from these dangerous... Computer, computer thieves. It's the, it's the 90s, so there's everybody's a hacker or a computer yeah, they're, thief. They're in I cardboard guess. boxes, so you better watch out. Yeah. And he's on a motorbike. Well, these expensive CRT monitors. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're so, weighing that truck down. Yeah. They're more expensive now than they were then. Equally <laughs> high stakes with the first film, where it was a bunch of hostages about to get killed, get, about to get crushed in an elevator. What's, uh, what's stopping that elevator from falling? The basement. It's like, what about this one? I've got to save those computers. Yeah. It's like, these Dells sure. won't save themselves. Yeah. My God, those innocent computers. There could be a Macintosh on there. Um, Not at, in the mid-90s. No. At the same time, we are reintroduced to Annie Porter. Sandra Bullock. Who is having a driving test and is just astonishingly bad. Yeah. Yep. Like, you would have not just only failed your test... You would have been arrested multiple yes. times. Yes, multiple felonies over yeah. the course of her driving test. Yep. Yeah, despite the fact that, as we have established, she's a pretty good driver because she drove that fucking bus. Yeah, and they play this specifically for laughs. They cast a comedian as a driving instructor. Yes, it's yeah. as comedian it's Tim Conway. Tim Conway. Yeah, it's like yeah, they're doing this for laughs. I get what you're trying to do. There's a great but fuck off. Yeah, there's a great moment in the first film where they're celebrating the moment, like, oh, we did it, we got around this, this dangerous moment, and they turn back, and Annie hasn't been paying attention to the road, mm. and hits a pram, and she screams, and it's yeah. like, oh, fuck. Then it, he's like, it's just cans, it's just yeah. cans, it's a crazy homeless person with cans, whatever, it's always cuts you, who knows what the fuck the situation yeah. is, but it's like, it's okay, mm. it's not a, you didn't hit a baby. You didn't like, kill a baby. Mm. She might actually possibly have killed someone in her road shit. She's like, yeah. Yeah. I don't care because I'm ditzy and none of, yeah. you know, I don't really care about what's happening around me. It's, yeah. it's so bizarre. It's such a departure of character. Yeah, she's a little bit of a damsel in distress in the first film occasionally. Yeah. But yeah. She, it's she's never incompetent. And this film starts out by going, hey, look at this useless woman driver. Yeah. Women, am I right? It's pretty much what it does. Yeah. Yeah. And while she's having the driving test, she details to the instructor that her previous relationship with Jack Trevin didn't work out. <sighs> it's like, she's explained how Alex is the nicest guy and he's like, you know, always the hold the door for her. And it's like, you know, it's movie night. I get to pick that he's kind of thing. He's an asshole. He's a dick. He's more of an asshole than Jack is. Yeah, we've never seen anything other than Jack being all right. But anyway, at simultaneously, as Alex apprehends the criminal, he runs into Annie, who is shocked to discover that her new boyfriend isn't a beach patrolman, but on the suicide squad. You know, with what are we, Harley some Quinn. kind of suicide squad? <laughs> this is Katana. She's got my back. <laughs> this is Annie. Her soul. I advise not being crushed souls. by her ship. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she calls it, the suicide squad. She means SWAT. Um, because she literally is dating the exact same person. 
And it's like, but you know, my boyfriend, he let me like a red flag when I said last time, I didn't want to be in this relationship again. He was like, yeah, well, I was, you know, I don't want to blow it. Yeah, yeah, I just lied. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to blow it with you, so I lied. Yeah, I wanted to keep having sex with you, so I lied to you. And then yeah. he refuses to have sex with her. Yeah. yeah. For ages. Alex and continues to lie. Oh, <laughs> Alex has arranged a cruise to the Caribbean and tries to pretend he can sort of double that as an apology. Mm. And it's like, wait, so hang on. It's like, hey, I'm making up to you. I'm making up to you. I've got this cruise to the Caribbean. She's like, we can't do that. We never he, go on holiday. He's celebrating their seven-month anniversary. Yeah, I hate that sentence. <laughs> That's not, not an thing. anniversary. That's not a thing. No, I get. I could let him off if it's six months. That's half an anniversary. It's half yeah. a year. <laughs> That's like a cutoff point. That makes sense. Yeah, seven months means fuck all, Alex. Yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? Why not make it a year? Round it up. Yeah, just easy. make it a year. And oh, or it's, it's her such birthday. An arbitrarily or... stupid it, moment. Why seven months? It's it, so much bad writing in one go because. It's like these two happen to just come across each other in that she's doing a driving test in the city that ends up in the hills and he's already in a heist situation, as it were, in the hills. I know oh. I know why they made it seven months. Oh. It's because six months isn't long enough for him to propose at the end. It Neither feel, seven, Tim. It would feel weird. Neither seven. Neither seven. But also a year would be too long for him to be deceiving her. I guess they're trying That's to find logic. a halfway point between yeah. the two. You're you're right. And I, just, I disagree with that yeah. logic, but you are correct that that is yeah. the logic that totally makes sense. Annie openly tells him, "Don't, don't. I don't. Yes, want to, I'm, I don't, angry. Yeah. I don't want to. I'm done with thinking about this." Uh, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. when they and he's like, "What? I'm what?" And they just kiss. And she goes, "No, I want to be depressed. I, don't, I want to be angry. I want to." He's be... such a nice guy who lies and manipulates yeah. all the time. Yeah. Because you've been lying to me this entire time. And he's like, "No, I'm not. We're going on a cruise." And she's like, "Fine." I'm into it now, and they kiss, and she's fine with it. It's not good. <laughs> so, that's... I hope you enjoyed that, by the way. That's the off-the-boat bit Yeah, of pretty much this Prepare entire for film. the next hour and 40 minutes that is the boat bit. Yeah, boat bit time. We got to the boat. The passengers are welcome to board. The Seaborn Legend. A real boat. Yeah. Actually, there's a real cruise ship. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was a dumb idea. It's like yeah. setting the love boat on the princess ships. It's like, that's interesting anyway we learn that alex is planning to propose to annie he tries on the ring he puts it on his own he hand. puts it on his own hand as if he's going to show it to her like as hey, if it's this? like does this look good on me like, <laughs> the fuck are you doing yeah maybe, who is this person maybe he's got exactly the same size hands as sandra bullock i would hope not but i wouldn't <laughs> be surprised weird the classic thing is like oh the dude tries it on his little finger because that's similar mm. size to the I lady's ring too. finger and all that stuff does he do put it in his little finger? Little finger, because he takes it Maybe, off, yeah. but, but it's yeah. either it still way, doesn't work. Weird. Yeah. Um, also, it also, a... it also does the thing of he tries it on when she's literally like in the next room with the door open. Yes. That that movie, that thing that happens in fiction so often, where it's like, why would you not wait until like you are somewhere where that person cannot possibly like walk in? It doesn't yeah. happen in the film that she like oh. stumbles across him. Yeah. But. It's one of those things where it's just like these people are not acting like human beings. No, They're exactly. acting like characters. We should also point out, and this is such a small thing, but it's worth mentioning. It's in a bag. Yeah, not, it's a, not box. In a box. Weird. Every... I, know, I know why it's not in a box. Because everyone would say, hang on, by the end of the film, wouldn't he have lost that box? Yeah. It's like, no, no, bag. Easier. Yeah. It's all of those little things. The seven months thing. Yeah. It's a bag, not a box. Those little things that just grate at me yeah. and just chip mm. away at my sanity as I was watching <laughs> this film the other day. Yeah. I think like, I mean, I've heard it's bad. It can't be that bad. And we're getting to like, there's 
this is me nitpicking, but yeah. those yeah. little there's bits, many big structural problems. There's huge, massive structural problems. It is one of the worst sequels ever made, for sure. You always try one to the... take it at face value and say, "Can I get anything out of this?" Yeah, but then you're like, mm, "That's gonna piss me off." And every that's time I try and think, like, actually, that stunt wasn't that bad, or this explosion looked mm. quite good, or whatever. Like, you can see the budget there. Like, the sets are well designed, or whatever the fuck. There's something like this that just pulls me right out of it. And you go, yeah. you're watching Cruise Control, you fucking idiot. Why are you doing this to yourself, Jack? <laughs> what, do, do you hate both of us? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Alex plans to propose to Annie and then gets hit on by a deaf child. So, okay. <laughs> they go to dinner and this is a cruise ship thing or tends to be, you share the table with other people mm. and they all talk about basically fat for a long time. I'm so I'm so glad we got rid of the interesting diverse cast in the first one where yep. it's like a mix of ethnicity. It's the kind of people you'd expect a on a bus in Los Angeles. Yeah. Whereas here we get a nice diverse cast of rich white people. Yep. Rich white people who are talking about slimming and eating stuff. Yes. Um uh, and then Alex notices across the way a 14-year-old girl and she's deaf mm. and signing to her parents. And he looks over and he's like, "Hey." And he waves. I'm like, the fuck is this? Yeah, <laughs> I thought that as well. I thought, oh, that's his like niece or something. Yeah, nope, nope. And by the way, no, let's get to this in a second. <laughs> so he then signs to her, "What's your name?" Mm. And she signs back, "I'm 14, motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> he signs back, "I'm a cop," and she signs back, "That doesn't help." <laughs> okay. If anything, that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. But nothing happens. She said, "She's her name is Drew." And Sandra Buck knows this is what's going on and says, <laughs> What the fuck oh, are you doing? <laughs> you know sign language, basically? Yeah. He says, Yeah, I want to learn a second language. That, I think, if I remember correctly, is the only explanation for why he starts signing. Yeah. Correct. It, I don't get that. I mean, more people should learn sign language. Of course. And but there's no reason why he in the 90s knows it as a SWAT officer. Yeah. And, like, and you touched on representation there. How often do you get deaf characters in movies? Mm, like, yeah. that's really cool. And, and another character think, yeah. knows. Sign language and stuff. Yeah. Brilliant. That that works. Cool. None of it makes sense. Nope. And they don't use it as an opportunity to actually represent the deaf community in any meaningful way. No. So what's the fucking point? Yeah. So she signs back, is that your sister? And he says, oh. And she says, oh, better let, let, but let her down easy. She says, no, it's my girlfriend. And says, your girlfriend is beautiful. And you have beautiful kids. Now, there's a weird running theme through this movie. Yes, they'll look like you, 14-year-old. Like, <laughs> oh, oh. There's a weird running thing where like, everyone says, oh, enjoy your honeymoon. Oh, we're, 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 not, we're not together. Even though he's planning to effectively make that a reality. Yeah. They both have the face of being so uncomfortable about it. Like, no, we're not, no, no, no. Yeah, this... It, there's, a, there's an a slightly alternate reality where this is like a comedy drama about two horrible people who yeah. are, who like break up but still want to go on a cruise that yes. they booked. Yes. And so, that, yeah, that moment when you break up like the day before you leave. Yeah. And you, and you have to go on holiday yeah. with your now sort of ex. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. It's kind of forgetting Sarah Marshall a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. you just get the vibe that they hate each other. Yep. But he's so much nicer than Jack. Do you know who has chemistry, though? Alex and that 14-year-old. Yeah, <laughs> Alex and Drew. So, moving away from that for a second. Thank God. Um, we're also introduced to John Geiger. God. We've seen him at the Geiger. start. The very start when he comes on the boat, he's sitting next to Sandra Bullock. So he's there, yeah. surreptitiously in the background, where Talk, away he is. Talking about talking about how he, he wants his golf, golf clubs. clubs, and then, uh, and then uh, Alex is like, mm, he's not watching the TV, there's golf on there. Mm. He does. Yeah. The TV has been on for like 
20 seconds. <laughs> the show starts. It has like the intro credits. He's like, he's not a real golf fan. He hasn't even. It's you, to highlight he couldn't have watched. He but... couldn't have watched golf in that time. Yeah, yeah. the golf hasn't started also, yet. The ship is just leaving the port. That's everyone goes up on the deck and watches that but, happen. Oh, yeah. What? Ugh, it's li- it again, is, it's the little things. Yeah. And again, it's someone saying we need to show that Alex is a good cop. It's like you haven't done it. No. I'm signing to a 14 year old and being like he doesn't watch golf. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, listeners, this will come back later. So, John God. Geiger, played by, you know, Goblin. <laughs> Jesus. Goblin, Goblin Jesus. Jesus. Goblin Jesus. <laughs> I'm oh. something of a carpenter myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. Okay, so... <laughs> John Geiger is a former cruise employee who hacks the ship's computer very drunkenly and very badly, plants a transmitter on the bridge, and then sticks a load of leeches on his body. (laughs) And you're like, oh, I I suck the copper out. What? (laughs) You heal me and I take care of you. I guess guess it implies that he gets copper in his blood from all the engineering stuff that he does. Oh, no, no, no. He comes back later. Oh, he does, yeah. Because I I almost used this as my opening quote. Uh, Computers generate electromagnetic fields which cause copper poisoning. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Look, that's why when a truck has been hijacked with computers, you know the danger you can do with copper poisoning. That's yeah, so, so it's important to get that's back. so dumb I blanked it from my memory. It's yeah. the kind of era where people don't oh. understand enough about computers. Y2K is coming. It's going to poison your... It's Alex Jones going to poison your blood. Yeah, yeah It's it turning really, the freaking frogs game. Yeah, there it, it is. really is. So... I'm exhausted and angry already. We are and we about should, we should say, 20 minutes in. It's possible that that is meant to show that he's like crazy and unhinged from reality. But no one ever says like... Well, that's nonsense. Like, clearly, he's just mad. A good old Geiger, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, it's just treated as like, oh, yeah, he's got copper in his blood because of the computers. Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't he? And the leeches suck it out. Yeah. That's good a old, transfusion. Good old it? leeches. Better, no. nur- better nurses than any hospital. Oh, fuck's sake. So, back to the 14 year old business. Um, <laughs> Do we have to, Matthew? Yeah, because I, <laughs> I feel like there's a message here somewhere because we see, for, for, the, for the layman, <laughs> We see Annie nursing Alex because he's been sick mm-hmm. and she likes taking care of him when he's weak. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's an interesting choice as to go. But most importantly, they're watching Lolita. Yes. The Stanley Kubrick film Lolita about an older man having a relationship with a child. Yeah. Like, what is happening here? <laughs> also, what is the subtext? <laughs> also, they are in this very fancy suite, this amazing suite. Insane, that they've got, huge, insane grand huge grand suite. Yeah. They've got two separate twin beds. Yeah. They're not a couple. Yeah. It's They're so, so weird. not a couple. And he clearly wants to fuck the deaf girl. If they were basically like cop partners undercover. Yeah. <gasps> that would make so much more story. sense. And yeah. there's a weird like sexual tension between them. And oh, yeah. they will, yeah. they won't, they kind of stuff. But they get there and there's only one bed. And so they have to, you know. And then he yeah. fucks the deaf girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to point out that up to this moment yeah. and, and continuing into the film, we've had, we've had a fucking. UB40 guest oh, oh, appearance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a guest and appearance, a live concert. A live concert from them. And Fucking UB40. And the majority of the music has been reggae. Done by one yeah. Brazilian guy. Yeah. It makes everything sound like a fucking radio jingle. You know what's great music for building tension? Reggae. <laughs> yeah, I get your set of the Caribbean, but you're like, 
this isn't working. And like, yeah. oh my God, we're all going to die. Ooh, baby, I love <laughs> you, baby. Every day. Is that Peter fucking Frampton? <laughs> <laughs> fucking Frampton coming aboard. That's Frampton. <gasps> it's on a boat. Frampton oh, does come it. aboard. Tim? Keanu Reeves? I'm saying, I'm saying nothing. Okay. Jack's dad. Peter Frampton. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Trevon. God damn. We also we, we also later in the film get a reggae cover of Every Breath You Take by we the do. police and it makes me want to bath. You know what we need to do? A reggae cover of a police song. Yes. Because the police don't do that enough already. <laughs> the police defined white boy reggae. Yeah, you, you don't know, need to do a white boy reggae cover. Let's amp this reggae light to oh. reggae regular. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You know, to, to suit the tone of the film, which is, uh, you know, creepy police. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, after the whole Alita stuff and throwing up shrimp, the next morning, Alex is fine. Like, yep. so good that he decides to go out that, shooting. That he wakes up ahead of Annie. Yes. Like, several hours earlier than Annie. Yeah, he leaves her in bed, goes outside, clearly showers at some point because he was covered in vomit, um, and goes skeet shooting. And basically, if you don't remember, it's it's it's, it's uh, you know clay pigeons. Yeah, I but... don't know a lot of uh, <laughs> boats that let you do that, just fire into the ocean. Yeah. But basically, they give you a shotgun, mm. and he goes kapow, and he's obviously doing great because he's a fucking SWAT guy. Do you know who's there? The fourteen-year-old girl. She feels the vibration of the gunshots. <laughs> she doesn't hear shit, but she's like, pow. Wow, those gunshots <laughs> are really loud. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know, but I feel my heart true. beating faster. <laughs> That deaf 14-year-old sure shoots a mean skeet. Shoot. <laughs> so, all the half, but but the, the gunfire wakes Annie up. So we can assume it wakes everyone else on the ship up. Um, and they eventually, ha- they get, we cut to them and she goes, Alex? Alex? And then they're in the, the, the main promenade and having a fight. And it's like, how? The yeah. editing in this film is insane. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's It's normal for like, quite long stretches and then yeah. it will just have a moment where you're just like what the fuck just happened yes yeah. we bounce around a lot and as, we haven't even got to the ship being in trouble yeah action scenes that just miss the middle bit yeah and you get the start and then the uh, there's a bit where a guy's pushed off the boat later we'll on to that ship and he just is he starts hel- to fall then he's falling <laughs> he's held over the edge and then he's halfway down the boat falling <laughs> yeah. like, what the fuck is going on it's 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 so weird oh. that this is the same team that made the first film oh. You think like, yeah, we'll bring back uh, Devon. You know, he did the first one. Yeah. We'll bring back the team and stuff. I think we, they did. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, it's when you like we always think, oh, this is the way to fix this film. Sometimes that shit doesn't work. Mm. So then they have a fight about the fact that basically, well, he's a lying, creepy douchebag, mm. and she admits they barely know one another. Yeah, we've also had a moment at the dinner oh, where he's almost, he's implied oh, yeah. like through this weird fucking twisted metaphor. I can't mm. even remember what it is, but it's the writing is so painful. The dialogue's awful. Yeah, where he's like, "Hey, you, you know, what do you, what do you think about like settling down one day?" And she's like, "I really don't want that. I hate that idea. Don't do that. Don't don't fucking pro- don't you dare fucking propose to me." Basically, yes. I'm not going to spoil where this is going. Um, <laughs> she says, I don't know your cop number. My cop number? You mean my badge number? Yeah, there you go. Badge number. We don't know anything about each other. I'm like, you know what? You're right. And you're on a trapped on a boat. You only him. just found out he was a cop like 10 minutes ago. Well, she knew he was, uh, but she thought he was like literally on, as in her words, Beach on Venice Patrol, Beach. Yeah. Uh, resting pickpockets. Yeah. I'm like, 
festival it's Venice Beach you're arresting Nazis do you, and do drug you need men. to do you <laughs> need to I feel like that's not the sign of knowing somebody knowing their like registered work number or whatever <laughs> no I don't think I even know my payroll number let alone my wife's payroll <laughs> number why would you that's yeah. ridiculous so they have a big old fight basically and okay <laughs> right so I don't envy you with these synopses Matt <sighs> right fucking hell next bit Geiger but I'm, I'm skipping some things here, but Geiger bumps into the captain and says, if you're on the after ship, how, who's in charge of the boat? Must be me. He's like, what? And he's dressed as the captain at that he's point? Dressed yeah, as he's dressed as the captain. Yeah. And he pushes Is there the like an edited scene where he like stole a uniform? He did steal a uniform. Yeah, he takes one because he he's on the ship and he's on the bridge fucking around with the controls and planting his little transmitter. So mm. the, the, they, they're locked out and it's all he does, his he, hacking stuff. In the first like half of this movie or kind of the second quarter yeah he does a lot of like wandering around on the ship completely unsupervised yeah, which yeah. i get is kind of fit like cruise ships are huge places they are and but he like the crew numbers are outnumbered yeah, by the other people yeah. he, he does a lot of just like wandering through he knifes a halon fucking fire alarm oh thing. yes yeah like, why is that it just sort of test them but, but because he's so like blase about it guess what it doesn't build tension <laughs> yeah i know it's supposed to show that he is one step ahead of everybody yeah because he knows all the systems because he invented them and so on so mm. can hack him he's like yeah sure but it means that i have no as you say there's no tension there's no urgency because i'm like well yeah you space is enormous you know what villains do they stalk they lurk they lurch they pounce they don't wander yeah, yeah. wander is not tension building or scary yeah meandering is not fucking ambling of. about just as a bloke and the second so he, he then finds the captain and he pushes him overboard and as jack mentioned it's fucking he holds him over activity. and then the guy goes ah <laughs> there's no like pushing him over the edge yeah. and then cut to the yeah. oh, and then two God. seconds later oh hello captain would you mind taking a picture yeah. of me and my sister he's like why of course ladies <laughs> Yeah, no, no way those two people didn't see him just kill a dude. <laughs> exactly. Also, it's Willem Dafoe's face. How are you like, <laughs> hello, can I have a picture? Yeah, on a fucking camera from 1997. You'll get yeah. nothing from that and picture. And also, on that kind of cruise, they will definitely have introduced the captain at the beginning. He will have come definitely. out and been like, hello, I'll be your captain. Hello, I'm voice. a British man with short hair and I'm quite old. Yes. Hello, I'm Willem Dafoe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's going to be in beautiful waters, ladies. Oh, yes. Oh, lovely night for a swim. Yeah, like the captain, right? <sighs> fucking terrible. <sighs> anyway, so at that point, he then notifies the bridge crew that he is taking control of the cruise. Control. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. And, I hate uh, you, Matthew. Yeah, thanks. Is that a pun, Matthew? <gasps> no, it's a, a title reference, isn't it? Anyway, so... No. That sounds like a pun and, to me, uh, Matthew. He he tells Boba Fett to evacuate the passengers. Yes, but Boba Fett. Tamara Morrison is just there. Yeah. Hanging out. It's Juliano. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, he, he tells him that you have to evacuate the passengers. Now, he then takes the opportunity to steal a set of priceless jewels from the ship's vault. I've basically summarized the next 25 minutes of this film in one <laughs> yeah. sentence. After far too much lifeboat lowering nonsense. Yep. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad that they continue to lower the tension by getting rid of almost all the passengers. Yes, yeah, get the passengers off the boat. It's like, I mean, isn't that how so this now, works? So now we've just, I mean, there's they, they, there's one lifeboat that doesn't manage to make it for various fucking reasons. This is what I'm saying. This is the lifeboat nonsense that goes on. So the idea is they get everyone off the boat, but they can't, it won't lower if the boat is still moving. It has to have stopped. Mm. So they stop the boat and then the boat starts up again. Yeah. It's like, oh. And 
the winch breaks and like, oh, we've got to get these people back on the boat. Mm. And the deaf girl's stuck in the lift. Oh, mm. fuck, I'll go find her. Mm. A load of bollocks. And rather, it looks expensive because of all the water mm. and the danger and the insurance. Mm. But it's in no way tense. It's in fact fucking boring. I get the idea because they're like, oh, we want to pare it down to a reasonable cast number so that you you feel... You can identify with the individuals. You identify yeah. with the individuals rather than feeling a generic just like panic on a ship it's also cheaper because they don't have so many cast members one about but it means that the ship feels cavernous and empty for most of the time the 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 core cast like jack and uh, not jack nice try jack and rose we only we alex, wish alex and annie yeah, jack and um rose. basically never interact with the passengers again they yeah. they deal mostly with the crew um, and and the 14 year old um most importantly most importantly um but apart from her they don't deal with the crew uh, with the passengers much and so you forget that the passengers are there because you're not spending any time with them and the ship it all it just feels like they're trying to save a ship which obviously we don't care about because no. it's just an object but it's yeah. a very expensive object and think about the insurance tim come on and save all that money sounds like fucking aliens isn't it it does yeah <laughs> um but i was gonna say that do they work for the whale and yutani corporation yeah. what we learned whale and yutani cruises yeah oh my god the company um but you're right. But even in like Titanic, you've shown that when it's empty, it can be cavernous and terrifying. But it's mm. not in this. No, it's just empty corridors and boring. Yeah, I met, I'm actually glad of a bit earlier where um, the 14 year old is going to dinner, and this is just before Willem Dafoe takes over the ship proper, and she's dressed in you know I'm showing off because I'm a 14 year old of the 90s. Look at my amazing dress, and her dad's like. Take that shit off! You look like a clown. You're yeah. dressed like you know. He's trying inappropriate. To see, that cop yeah. was trying to fuck you. Take that off. <laughs> yeah. Now. The thing is, Jason Patrick keeps turning back and looking at her. Yeah, and he like, does. And she's like, he does. Like, I get what it's supposed to be. Like, oh, he's clearly a very enigmatic and charming, handsome man. Mm. Of course, I'm going to have some you know teen romance affection for him because I'm a kid. And that's how it works. Mm. Yeah, he shouldn't be anyway encouraging this. Can, we've we've just had this with fucking Conan the you, Destroyer. You yeah. took the words out of my mouth. I literally just said, "We just came off a sexualized fourteen year old, yep. and we were very uncomfortable with it." Yeah, here we are, here we are again. again. Oh, yeah, this one does at it least worse. at least fucking Conan handles it better. Than, yeah. than Jason Patrick because Conan's shot I love that how we're not down. calling him Alex it's Jason Patrick's problem yeah, <laughs> yeah. I Con don't know anyone I, I watched some YouTube reviews and stuff and like breakdown stuff no one calls him Alex absolutely everyone goes and then Jason Patrick did yeah. the thing <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. right let's get let's get we're just the, the ship has been taken over now we're getting there so Alex and the bridge crew realise the ship is on a collision course and head to Geiger's cabin after he realizes golf balls. <laughs> that's that's how he's hacked ball. the ship. It's like yeah. there are no golf fires. It's like, what about all these fires? We've got to get this. It's like, no fires. He's hacked the ship. The sulfur, the smell from the 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 the, 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 the steam, the smoke, the gas, whatever it is, it's not appropriate. It'd be have to be small and rollable, like like this. Like and he pulls and goes, golf balls. Golf balls. Geiger. It's like, what the fuck <laughs> are you talking about? And he runs to his cabin, gets in there, and finds the annoying fucking steward as it were There's the oh god yeah painful comic relief who'd been whacked in the face with a golf club he's, basically, he's, the, he's the fucking bellhop from uh, Home Alone 2 Schneider, yeah who yeah. like waits for, yeah, for a tip. It's, yeah waits for a tip he is not literally but he is basically that kind of archetype definitely anyway so they go there into Geiger's cabin um, where Geiger's like it's like whoa this guy's sick he sees all the um, the leeches in the like, Yeah, that's right I am sick and it's like what um, and then he goes on to explain his plan 
about classic he, villain. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. He designed naval security uh, used around the world in various ships. But when he became sick from copper poisoning because of computers <laughs> through the Wi-Fi, <laughs> the company fired the five G. The five G. COVID. Five G. We're getting copper poisoning oh from God. our COVID vaccinations. There it Wake is. Wake up, sheeple. That's what it is. So basically, he pulls a Breaking Bad, except rather than making meth, he's decided to. Hijack one ship and nick some jewels. Geiger is a QAnon guy, is what we're saying. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely for sure. He would be right up there with the fucking capital riots. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> Annie roams the ship looking for survivors because you know her boat didn't leave, so she's mm. still on the ship looking around for people. Uh, specifically, the deaf girl. Has anyone seen the deaf girl? She's out of the elevator now. She's like the main fucking character at this point. What is <laughs> going is. on? Why do we all care about this deaf girl? But all she can find are big women. <laughs> Are there any little girls there? No, just no, big women. Just big women. <laughs> I mean, I mean, regular women. It's just time to have a fat joke in this like te- supposedly tense, important like emergency situation. Yeah. Nah, the fat fighters are there. Oh, fuck off! It's very dumb. Uh, the crew then begin opening the ballast doors. Just try and sort things out with those blood. Mm. But Alex sees Drew, the deaf girl, on the CCTV. Mm. Well, it's been his idea as well. It's like, slow the ship down by flooding it. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. Yeah. Fuck, I'm flooding it. And there's a girl there. <laughs> sure. It's like, wait, you don't know ships, motherfucker. You're a cop. Yeah. And, and I will get back to this later. You're not in Los Angeles. You're not even in America anymore. Yeah. You have zero authority. <laughs> yeah. Here. His skills aren't even clear. Nope. Ever. And he just... <laughs> Does a bunch of stuff with apparent authority. He yeah. ride a mo-, mo. He ride motorbike. Good. Exactly. Motorbike good. He's a hacker at one point. Like he just starts hacking away. Like <laughs> what? What part of the LAPD SWAT team do you learn to just the action hack away hero division? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The GI Joe department. Yeah. So anyway, he sees the deaf girl on CCTV. Goes down there and signs to her, "Come with me," rather than just you know grabbing. She's like, "Oh, mm. thank God." Um, and I then... thought about drowning you to hide my shame. <laughs> yeah, we need to dispose of the evidence. What evidence? You. It's like you're oh. my evidence. What does that mean? Don't ask. Doesn't matter. I'm not going to explain myself to a corpse. Um, <laughs> oh, God, this is so dark. Anyway, he saves her. Alex is a murderous pedophile. Basically, he saves her just in time. What a hero! And then she confesses her love for him, and that she's 15 next month. And he says. Listen, um, I've heard that relationships that start in extreme situations, as a reference to the first film, yeah. don't work out. It's like, no, 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 no. You, you, let her down easy. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Right. She's just a kid. She's just having a crush. Yeah. He goes, you're a little old for me. <laughs> is Jason, oh, has Jason Patrick got any like Me Too things or anything like that? Do we need to check? I, I I don't, I don't think he, is he famous enough to have a meet? <laughs> it's, it's the writers I need to worry about. I think it was oh like, god! Anyway, so does Yander Bond have any me yeah. too stuff? So, I mean, to be fair, this is an eighties film, and the genders were reversed, and it was a female cop. You know, the little boy, deaf boy, would have got like a grope on. So it's like it's that kind of like oh, but it's not. Great, and it's the nineties. Yeah. Yes, it's not, and it's not. Yeah, it's all just like this is all very bad. It was bad in the eighties. It's bad in the nineties, and somehow we're still getting these shitty things in the films. We got it in fucking Ghostbusters Afterlife. I'm not going to get that later. Yep. So Alex gets the drop on Geiger. And I'm saying this because it's not exactly clear what's happened in between all this. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the editing of this movie. The deaf girls reunited with the family. Alex meets up with Annie, 
and then and then they give Geiger. Her, yeah. yeah, it's it's if I itemize it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So let's just cut to Alex gets the drop on Geiger, <laughs> but a series of grenades keeps him trapped in the mall. <laughs> um, so there's a small shopping part basically, and yeah. he's. It's the, it's the bits of the trailers that trapped him behind the door. And he's like, what can I do now? And he tries to smash the, the, the windows. Mm. He's like, ah, <laughs> these windows are really strong. And then Alex does a run up, but he manages to lock another door even further away. He goes, yeah, yep. idiot. Anyway, hearing uh, then he turns on all the lights and the music. And hearing the PA system, Annie hears you know, Alex. And through the window, he instructs Annie and the first mate, Juliano, you know, uh, Boba Fett, how to defuse the grenade that's pinned to the door. So it's like, oh, no, don't touch the door. It's I'm, I'm a bomb defusal guy now. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> you don't dispose bombs. That was... That was Keanu Reeves' That deal. was Keanu Reeves' job. You're a SWAT dude. You're, you know, you're a It's trained... a whole separate job. Yeah, you're, you're just a gun guy. You shoot... You ride bike good. You ride bike good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My idea, you ride bike good and it cuts to him as a bicycle cop. Ding, ding. That's what Annie thinks he is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's how he explained his job, and she was like, "Oh, you must be on the beach patrol." Yeah, yeah. Like, and I have sure. day job. I, I ride bike good. I, yeah. just, I policeman. I ride bike good. <laughs> I thought you were like picking up teenage pickpockets. Yeah, picking up teenagers. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I ride bike good. I hang out with fourteen-year-olds. <laughs> Cuff them, Dano. <laughs> so. They defuse the grenade and it's morning. Because um, <laughs> literally it's just, ah. It sounds like we're making this up. Nope. Matt, Matt's nailing it here. It's, it's, it's exactly oh, how it's like. Inside, yeah. grenade, morning. So it becomes clear that the ship's autopilot is set to crash into an oil tanker. This is, I guess, and has always been the plan. But that's so weird considering shipping routes and stuff that I'm yes. like, that's not, I mean, even if you point a ship in the right direction and just say, Go. Mm. The ocean is an That's interesting not how the ocean works. Yeah. It's not literally a road. And even if you are on a road, a car will still veer. And... Yeah. So, yeah. Not with cruise control, Matthew. Oh, shit. You're right. <laughs> Fair point. Anyway, it's, it's, it's clear they're going to question all the tanker. So the team decide. Uh, okay. Um, Annie suggests something. And the team decide to jam the propeller with a steel cable by hand incredibly dangerous. They even highlight that the propellers are like 12 foot wide each yeah. and will suck you in and kill you. And he's like, yeah, but I could just dive under the boat. And it's like, you would die under the boat. Yeah, if the you leave the boat, die under you the boat. die. They've, they've already told people, you can't just jump off the boat. You'll get sucked under and you will die. Correct. Yeah. But sit on a boat, we've got to have someone go under the boat, haven't we? Yeah. And he ride bike good. <laughs> he swim good too. He swim good. So, Geiger thwarts the attempt because he realizes what's going on and then takes Annie hostage, escaping on a speedboat kind of thing. It's it's two jet skis plugged into a speed socket. Yes. Strapped <laughs> together with duct tape, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a Micro Machines launching set <laughs> yes. thing where it's like, you press a button, they go, Chee-hee. Yep. Um, it was, doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah. Boba Fett gets his arm broke. That happens too. Sorry, yes. Why did he take Annie hostage? Shut up, Jack. Yeah. You're my hostage now. Yep, yep. Are you enjoying your vacation? Yep. <laughs> Just, he needs a hostage, as Tim's yep. highlighted at the start of this episode. Yeah. No! Yep. <laughs> yep. Come anyway. back, you're my hostage. Uh, there's the speedboat thing. The last ditch attempt to turn the boat is to release the bilge pumps, which Alex does with the help of the ship's photographer and love underwater twiddling. He, he, he builds good too. He does, does. build good. This photographer, there's a whole bit where he's he's trying to chase down Geiger who's escaping on his speedboat skidoo thing. Yes. Um, 
and like can't get to him and he like the boat goes shooting out in the, the thing and he's very clearly like alone in the in the port yeah. and then the photographer just magically teleports in he even <laughs> says need a hand it's yeah like- and this photographer, what? in the middle of this crisis, to establish that he's a photographer, keeps taking photos of things just randomly. Yeah. And it's, oh my God. In the sequence I mentioned about them underwater, having going underwater, mm. turning these sort of pumps and winches to keep the things mm. going and things, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, he's still taking pictures. Yeah. How will we know he's a photographer? He doesn't constantly mm. take pictures. I thought the camera would be fucked in the water, but <laughs> yeah, whatever. Also, in the sequence where, so Alex has Alex been in the water swim good. Um, and then has come come back up um, and been rescued by Boba Fett while Geiger's taking Annie off the boat. And he's like, oh, he's got Annie. And Jason Patrick comes out of the water. He's like, I've got to go save Annie. I love her. Maybe. I've got to propose to her somehow. I've got to, I'm, yeah, I've got to propose I've got to her. this bag and a 14-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I it's the lesser of two evils. I've in got some a backup, ways. but I, yeah. I should go with this one. Yeah. Uh, I need this. I need Annie to be my beard or people will keep asking questions. Um, <laughs> Uh, chases after her. He's got like completely like shredded up in the water and stuff. At some point, he changes his shirt. He does. He, 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 he grabs a does. new shirt while on the way to rescue Annie. Takes the time to be like, oh, I can't go and meet her with no shirt on. Yeah, it's it, it's almost like the whole like we gotta get this for the audience. So this serious hairy chest, and you get like they just they, like put it on through the corridor. It's like mm. it's yeah. terrible. Yeah. Um, I feel like it was. I think it was National Treasure 2 where they established that he's good at diving. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Who just told us that he was good at diving? Yep. That was the one hobby that he has as a cop is diving. He lives near the beach. That lies quite close to the water. I'd allow it. But no, he just, he swim good. The Seaborn legend, the boat, scrapes along the side of the oil rig because they just about managed to turn in time. Even mm. that's not how anything works. <laughs> Uh, but a major disaster is narrowly averted until the ship starts to head straight for the marina. <gasps> Should have turned better than that, motherfuckers. Should have kept twirling those bilge pumps. Yeah, kept turning, just spinning around in circles. Don't want sick. Go home. The anchors are dropped, which you think. I know there's a, a shitty explanation, but you think they would have done this from the start. Yeah. The first thing you do, right? Drop the anchors. Yeah. They, also, they also drop them one at a time, yeah. which I don't under- Like, surely you drop them both. Supposed tension. Yeah. You drop them evenly so you actually don't like turn around. Yeah. And surely two, way, two yeah. anchors dragging at the same time has more of a chance of stopping you than one, one. and then one. Correct. Yeah. I I don't see that. I don't, I, again, if there is a nautical side of it, like, well, if you do that, it will snap. It yeah. Will oh, sure. I understand that. But they don't mention it. So if there is a reason for it, we don't know what it is. Yes. Um, and again, it's the, the fact that one anchor drops, one is blocked. And mm. For some reason. I'd, I'd imagine that. It- <laughs> Any person who like knows ships watching this film, it oh, must be God, infuriating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, entirely. Um, so and obviously I should point out when one anchor drops, it slows them down, but doesn't turn them at all. No. It's just like, oh, we're slowing down a bit. And crashing into tiny speedboats, oh, we're slowing down nine yeah. nine point one knots. Great. It's like, is it? Yeah. Is that helping? It's it's Scotsman navigator is constantly narrating yep. like the speed but because nobody understands what knots are we exactly. have no re- yeah. frame of reference nine doesn't sound high unless it's warp factor <laughs> yeah so i'm not getting much also the uh bellboy dude is pretending to steer so what are you doing it's yeah. broken he still tries to where's the horn it's, yeah. it's so stupid I, lo- I love an action finale where no character has agency and you just yeah. have to watch a big thing happen yeah that's what we want 
So just narrating what's happening mm, on screen. God. Yeah. The anchors are dropped, but it's not enough to stop the ship from careening into the colossal, uh, the coastal town, and a load of bullshit happens. And dinging a bell. It's just so many reaction shots from tourists. And, yeah. Oh, gotta get out of here. And a dog. The, the dog that almost gets the hit dog. like three different times yes. and then runs off. And you're like, oh, well, at least the dog's safe. Dog comes back. Dog comes back. Oh, no, the dog's in ter- peril again. <laughs> dog's barking again. And then, you know, Kevin Costner turns up and saves the dog. But dies. Because, <laughs> nope, no, no, no. I'd rather just die in this movie, please. Uh, meanwhile, Annie separates the jet ski. So we mentioned this is a jet ski boat thing. So it's like a speedboat that has two jet skis on it. And she sees a button, or a lever that says release. And she pulls it and he goes, no, no. And yeah. he's, she's just career, sailing away. Go, come back, you're my well, she, hostage. She, she releases him. So yes. he, yeah, he yeah, yeah, falls yeah. behind and she's going faster because she's plugged into the speedboat part. Yes. Now, I have, as I'll come to a description <sighs> of this because all of that's irrelevant. Yep. Because I still end up at Geiger's seaplane. She ends up going where he wanted her to go anyway. And yeah. Uh, oh, Alex then illegally commandeers a vehicle from a guy who explains the LAPD has no jurisdiction in the Caribbean and he's paid for hours of therapy thanks to the LA cops. Turns out it's Maurice from the first hey, film. Yeah. Glenn Plummer's back again. Yeah, it's like, oh, oh, by the way, Alex doesn't care. <laughs> so he's like, I'm LAPD. I'm quite like, this is the Caribbean. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm LAPD. I'm, careen- I'm commandeering your, 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 mm. your tune man, your, yeah. your vessel. And it's like, no, you don't get to do that. And also, I've had lots of counselling because the LAPD mm. have given me so much stress for the last week. Mm. And also, of course, you're a fucking African-American dude. The LAPD are the yeah. fucking worst. And it's like, yeah, I don't care. And this is, you know, catch up to that ship. It's just like, what are you going to do if you, you know, if I say no, I'll throw you overboard. Okay, that's a good reason. It's like, no, it isn't. <laughs> yes. no, it is He's not. committing multiple crimes here. Yeah. International felonies. So Maurice comes back as a joke and I don't like it. Um, the seaplane takes off. Okay, so we're in a point now where we're off the boat. Off the ship proper. Yeah. I guess so. Boat, yeah, yeah. boat crashed into town and fallen over. Yeah. Oh, yes. yes. There's a moment. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. He crashed in and he goes, mm. and keels a bit. Yeah. Makes sense. Now, I don't know how close you think you are to the end of the film, dear listener. <laughs> You're much closer than you think. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what, 15, 20 minutes left, right, Matt? If that. Yeah. No, it's like eight. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Okay. So the seaplane takes off. But Alex manages to sneak on board. Then he saves Annie. Then he punches one of the phone in the face. Then he disconnects the plane sort of flotilla while Guy goes sort of mostly avoids the oil break. So he, he she gets on the plane, says, hey, how are you doing? And she goes, oh, hi, how are you? And he goes, what? <laughs> he, he, he uses a harpoon gun to yeah. spear one of the flotillas on the seaplane yes. and then like is dragged behind it for a while and then uses the harpoon gun to reel himself in. You would not survive that. No, you'd be shredded. You would be completely fucked up by that. Yeah. And you, you could argue, well, the plane's going quite slow. It hasn't taken off yet. It's like, you could argue that. Um, <laughs> plane, planes have to go fast to take, take off. off. Yeah. The plane point. is taking off. Yeah, exactly. It's going faster than, a, it's like 30, 45 miles an hour for a car sort of thing. It's, like, it's going faster yeah. than that sort of thing. Anyway, and on the water. So he punches Willem Dafoe in the face and grabs Sandra Bullock and detaches the flotilla, and they fall to the ground. Yeah. And he's like, ah, and makes a weird sort of fucking cartoon noises. And he's unfortunately heading straight for the oil rig. And he manages to pull away mostly and turn around slightly, because I guess the the, the, the lopsidedness of the flotilla not being on part of the boat, even that really doesn't actually matter in terms of the plane's aerodynamicity. And he then looks down at the oil rig and says, yeah, 
Oh, no, or like the oil tank is not rigged, sorry. Yeah. And he's like, ah, great. Looks ahead and goes, oh no! And crashes straight into a mast, which sort of pins him there. Yeah, and it, goes it like impales the, the plane. And yeah, like, yeah. Oh, God. And he goes, ah, ah. He makes some weird laughing, crying it's... noises. Willem Dafoe the, noises. The oh, noises it's... that come out of Willem Dafoe in this film <laughs> <Yeah>. are <laughs> unique. It, it, it's, a, it's a whole thing. So he's impaled on a mast. Annie and Alex are then saved by Maurice. He didn't have to do that. Um, and the oil rig explodes. Well, the plane explodes first and the oil rig explodes. They they do a whole bit oh, where, rig, she, oil tanker, where, she, where she's supposedly in peril because she's got the handcuffs on still. I forgot about the yes, yes, that's but right. Like, oh, the underwater bit. Yeah, yeah she's yeah, tied yeah. with rope. So she keeps she, Yes, rope. It's not even handcuffs. Yeah. But it's like, you, you would just, you float. You would just kick your legs and you would go up and say, you don't need your arms. Just like, it's not ideal. No, but, but you're you, human. But you're float. human. You can tread water. Yeah. You would yeah. Maybe you, she's such a bad driver that she never learned how to swim. She's, my oh. she's negatively oh. buoyant. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, up. they Too just dense. they play it like she's attached to like lead weights or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's yeah. she's sinking and there's no time. And Maurice has to get. But also they show that all tanker staff are getting off the, the ship just yes. in time as well because there's only like five of them. Anyway. It blows up. That blows up. Bang, bang, bang. Massive fucking explosion. Over Massive top. expensive explosion. Incredibly. bad. Yep. Explosion that is more expensive than Speed 1. Yep. Looks I hate terrible. that sentence so much. Um, Literally burning money for no reason. Literally. Yeah. Literally burning money. Uh, then the jewellery <laughs> <laughs> that Geiger's stolen <laughs> is in a big bag that's floating. And Maurice goes, yoink. Yes. And says, oh, wow. Which is nice. Um, International waters. I'm taking this. And I guess he's kind of right. Yeah. I mean, he's owed it after the the events yeah. of the two after films. everything's happened. Yeah. yeah. And I'm being abused by white LAPD officers I mean, for two movies. You know what happens at the end of this? Jason Patrick shoots him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he he was gonna call him out for having sex with a 14 year old. And he was like, I can't have that, mate. Yeah. You signed that 14 year old girl. Bang. So. That just happens. And by the way, so I'm saying like, oh, oh, well, obviously, Matt, we, we find out what happens with the diamonds and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Alex then decides this is a good time to propose. To propose. <laughs> uh, and maybe he's using the adrenaline. I hate it. And he accepts. I and hate I swear it. to fuck, the credits roll. Yeah. It's over Suspiria. The boat. It's, yes. It's <laughs> bang, done, ending credits. Like, what? Bleh, what? You are so caught off guard by like, wait, 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 it's over? Oh, Holy shit. God. Um, I fucking hate this movie. This movie is terrible. It's, it's awful. so bad. I don't know if I... I don't know the fate of anybody. I don't know <laughs> if anybody really truly survived. At the end of Speed, you also don't know, but you know they got off the bus and they're safe. You know that they're like watching the thing and mm. going, oh my God, that's insane. You yeah. know that the villain is thwarted and there's another little conflict. Yeah. Which is what they try and replicate with the whole mm. hands tied mm. underwater stuff. And there's a romantic connection of like, God, we got through this. We, should we mm. try tomorrow to have like a date? I was like, mm. meet normally. Yeah, let's give it a go. Mm. Not, should we get married now? Oh, God. Um, I hate it so much. It is an awful movie. Let's fix it. Tim, you got to fix it, mate. Uh, Tim, I do not envy you because this movie's perfect. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, just because it's such a demand. It's such a, Speed does not need a sequel. So, good luck. The holidays are closing in on us like an out of control cruise liner. Oh my God. Bearing down upon a tiny Caribbean island. So slowly. Very slowly, but inevitably. <laughs> and if you are a small business owner, maybe you've got an Etsy shop, or like us, you have a Patreon where you occasionally post out masses of t-shirts and posters to people, 
you have probably been using the post office and hate it because it's the post office. Yep. You can avoid all of that turmoil and hard work by signing up with stamps.com. Stamps.com allows you to dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic and it lets you compare rates, print labels and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long, not just for the holidays, but, you know, especially at the holidays. You can access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking a trip and get discounts like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76%. That is a lot off of UPS services. Going to the post office instead of using stamps.com is kind of like taking the stairs instead of the elevator and not a scary elevator like the one in Speed. Hmm. If you're dealing with shipping more than a few minutes a week, then stamps.com can be a genuine time saver for you, can save you a lot of hassle, and it can make your life easier. So, save time and money this holiday season with stamps.com. Sign up with the promo code POD, that's P-O-D, for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code P-O-D, that's POD, like a podcast, the thing you're listening to now. Our other sponsor this week is Audible. Audible has a huge library of thousands of audiobooks, comedy specials, podcasts, guided meditations, guided fitness, and just thousands of other kinds of audio content for your listening pleasure. If you listen to audio content, it might be on Audible. Chances are, yeah. probably on Audible. Maybe, yeah. you're, maybe you're listening to us on Audible. Who you, knows? Yeah. You can listen to us. It's amazing. It's yeah. Brilliant. Mm. What could be better? What could be better? How about a free audio book? Oh my God, that is better, Tim. Oh. That is better, isn't it? Free stuff's always good. If you sign up for Audible using our offer, you get a free month of membership <gasps> and a free audio book. Holy shit. Of your choice. But hey, we're going to recommend one for you. Mm. Are you inspired by this week's episode? Do you want some kind of boat-based mayhem? Yes, please, Tim. <laughs> well, mayhem may be a little rich. Okay. But there's definitely boat-based peril. Yeah, this and it's going to be more entertaining than Speed 2, right? It's vastly more entertaining okay. than Speed 2. Yeah, it's I'll Agatha plan. Christie's Death on the Nile. Ah! Read by Poirot himself, Her- David Suchet. Hercule Poirot, bloody yes. hell. Uh, you can get that classic edition of... One of Agatha Christie's best mysteries. A minute shy of eight hours of audio content. That will see you through many a commute, many a gym session. And you can get it for free. That's like four speeds. It is it is four speeds. Four speed, Ed. Yeah. Uh, probably not as expensive as speed two. No. control to make. But David Suchet would have made a better hero than uh, Jason Patrick. Can you imagine? It's weird, but yeah. You just swap <laughs> out Poirot. <laughs> Seeing him in Wing Commander around the same time. Yeah. Anyway, as, as Poirot, <laughs> you can get a free audiobook, perhaps Death on the Nile, perhaps something completely different, and a free month of membership to Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash sequel, sign up today, tell them the sequelizer sent you, and uh, and start your listening journey today. I'm on, I'm on double duty this week. I'm not only writing the pitch, I'm giving you your Rotten Tomatoes quiz mm. for this week. And... Uh, as we always say, Rotten Tomatoes is a stupid website with an imperfect system. <laughs> we don't always call it stupid, but I do. 
Um, <laughs> it, it is. The scores on Rotten Tomatoes are based on a percentage of positive reviews by movie critics who have signed up for their system. And then mm. there's also an audience score where anyone can sign up. Positive reviews means three out of five, six out of ten, sixty percent, whatever they've uh, judged to be the equivalent of that. Doesn't always work. Sometimes they call a positive review a negative one. Sometimes they call a negative review a positive one. And sometimes they get the wrong fucking sometimes film. Sometimes it's the wrong film. Yeah. yeah. But we use it anyway because it's a laugh. And uh, we'd like to have a nice little competitive element uh, to, the, to, the, to our sequelizing sessions. And in fact, usually the only thing at stake is honour. But this week, there's higher stakes involved. There is a whisper gold on the line. We had a multi-pack. There was one left over. Whoever gets the Rotten Tomatoes scores correct, the more, more Rotten Tomatoes scores correct, will be winning the rights to this final Whisper Gold. Can, can I just highlight that if I don't win this, I'm going to punch Jack and just <laughs> eat it anyway. <laughs> punch me like Jason Patrick punches Willem Dafoe. And I'll go, Because I say much worse than that. So, let's begin. Okay. And we're going to start, of course, with speed. Jack? I'm going to come to you first. How highly or lowly rated do you think speed is on Rotten Tomatoes? I think it's fairly well rated, but not too well rated. That makes sense. I think it's a film a lot of people enjoy, the three of us obviously Mm. very clearly enjoy it. But I don't think it's getting loads of like nine out of ten kind of like big thing. I don't imagine it's reclaim. Yeah, loads of critical acclaim and all that kind of made a lot of money, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's got a critical acclaim. I'm reckoning sort of upper 60s was was going to be my guess. Maybe early 70s. I'll go for 71, please, Tim. That's the number I pulled out of my ass. Matthew. I think Jack is way off the mark here. I think... At, if it, it's going to be lower? No. Oh, interesting. I think at the time people fucking loved Oh, speed. interesting. And you were right with the whole 9 out of 10 thing. No one's giving that. But Loads of people giving sixes. Having given yeah. sixes. So That's I think thing. it's going to be... High 80s. Okay. Maybe 90s. No, no, like die high. Let's say um, 89. Okay. Moving on. Speed to cruise control. Matthew, what are you thinking? I'm going to be bold. Yeah, I was, I'm going to be bold as well. You're going to beat me to it. <sighs> I might be really stupid here. I want to say it's an egg. That's what I was thinking. I want to say it's a zero. But... Mm. I think there's just enough people to say it's good enough. Mm. So I'm, I, I want, I'm not gonna go like one or two. <laughs> Maybe we five. Be safe. Um, no, it was it was universally panned at the time. Everybody hated it. People said, "Oh, you know, it's it's not too bad," but nobody said it was good. I think. Uh, let's say let's let's, let's say five five percent. Jack. That was my number. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was thinking there's one fucking number I have in my head. I, I, again, from me. I still think zero probably the right answer. I yeah. just think there's enough, enough people like defenders of this shit. I, I know for a fact it's not a zero percent, and I'll get to that in a second. Oh. I, don't, I haven't seen the Rotten Tomatoes score, but I will get to yes, that in zero, a moment. Yes. I'm going to price this right you at 4%. Fair. Fuck you. Because <laughs> so This I think, is for the Whisper Gold. This uh, is when it matters. I think it's a 1% or 2% sort of thing. So yeah. I might be onto yeah. Something My theory is pretty low. Yeah. Well, as we said, we're playing for a Whisper Gold this week. We are. So mm. we, can't be ha- we can't be farting around with any draws here. Oh, no, oh, yeah. Tim. Couldn't just halve it like men. No. I mean, So we need a third film. Oh, okay. No. Now, we've, we've spoken about how important Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock's chemistry is to the first oh, film. Oh, fucking And how, no. how we 
don't have it in the in the second one. So let's They're... look to the other film they co-starred in, The Lake House, for our third film. What the fuck? I don't mind that film. It's a remake, but I don't mind it. I think it's Jack, right. how does The Lake House score on Rotten Tomatoes? I have no idea what The Lake House is. It is it's a, a time-traveling romance. Yes. I hate it. They write letters to each other through time. I hate it. A little mailbox. It's like your name, but rubbish, right? Oh, I think you meant my name, Matthew Joseph Ferris, Peter Stockton. It's like the anime, but not the anime. Yeah, is it a remake right? of a Korean film? I can't remember. Mm. I cannot remember. Yeah, but either way, I remember seeing it in the States. It's been 2006, five. About then. I didn't write Post down the... Post-Matrix uh, Keanu. Post-Matrix sequels Keanu. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah post-Whole Matrix. Yeah, until yeah, yeah. Resurrections, obviously. I think it's, it's fine. Mm. If that helps you with your grading. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. 71... Got to go lower. How much lower, though, is the question? 55, please, Tim. Okay. That's not And bad. Matthew. Seems like I'm at 5% earlier. No, 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 no. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. So, logically, all I'm going to do is price, of right, is price is right, Jack. But either 54 or 56. Mm. <laughs> um, These shit gets real, listeners. I don't think you understand. Mm. I, do, I, I didn't understand until I witnessed it. And you certainly don't understand because this is just an audio medium. Matt's lust <laughs> and need for whisper gold. I'm yeah. signing to is that. Unparalleled. <laughs> <laughs> you are Jason Patrick. The whisper gold is a 14 year old deaf girl, <laughs> and you need it. Thankfully, thankfully, my love is legal. You crave it. Um, you shouldn't, but you do. You I'm... can't help yourself, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say. Oh, he's gone up. Okay. Right. Ah. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Do we have a winner, Tim? We have a winner. Oh, oh thank God. Thank shit. God. I mean, you've got to have a winner. Yeah. It's a, it's a no, we, we could we could split some of them, I guess, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, you've got you you haven't done one where you've you've somehow it's a tie every time. Yeah, God, perfectly yeah. split the the middles, the uprights. Good. So, speed. Matt, you said eighty nine. I did. Jack, you said seventy one. I did. You both lowballed it. Oh, it is ninety-four percent. Holy fuck! Wait, almost year of release kind of thing. Holy, that is year of release. Holy shit! With an audience score of seventy-six percent. That's the one I was thinking of. Of Mm, course, I'm with. I'm I'm a man of the people. So, Matt, you were closer. Yeah, Yeah, one inch closer to the whisper of your dreams. Your third whisper of the night, you absolute monster. <laughs> One every hour. Speed two, cruise oh, control. Oh, no. Yeah. Matt, you said five. I did. Jack, you said four. Yeah. The audience score is 16. Oh, shit. Maybe we fucked this. The Rotten Tomatoes critic score, the Tomatometer, is 4%. Jack got it on the money. Bonus points for getting it on the money. I win. <laughs> Straight to the lake house. <laughs> Straight to the lake. Fuck. Oh, God. So, I have no idea. With this. I had no idea with this thing. It's down. I've never even heard of this. <laughs> down to the lake house. I mean, I thought it was fine, but a lot of people did not like yeah. it. So I don't think it's going to do well at all. What's the audience score for this? Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you that first. Mm-hmm. So. Jack, you said 55. I did. Matt, you said 56. I did go out in the end, didn't I? You've yeah. basically split sp- a few percentage points down and you'd have half of a, the scores each. What, 50 or yes. 50? Yeah, yeah, not yeah, quite. yeah. So, the audience score is 73. Oh, no. That's people like me saying it's fine. Oh, no. The critics are not the same. 
but the critic score is 35. Oh. Matt, as Matt loses, Jack wins the Whisper oh. Gold. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like I paid for this shit, motherfucker. You'll pay for it, all right, you piece yeah. of shit. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, the Whisper Damn Gold. you, Lake House. <laughs> Damn you. Robot House. Uh, <laughs> I mean, again, it's fair. I, I thought that film was literally just fine, but... So the reason I knew Speed 2 yes. isn't a 0%, because I have a three-star review here in front of me uh, from Mr. Roger Ebert. Oh, oh for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's awful, to the point where he wrote an article a couple of years later asking for people to pitch Speed 3 to him. It's a whole thing. It's one of his most infamous good wrong reviews course. of a bad... Yeah, yeah. A, 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 mm. exactly, a wrong review type thing. And we should we kind of jumped over it with all the excitement about the whispered gold. That is a ninety percent drop in oh score. Oh God! I, genuinely, the that that didn't insane. register with yeah. me. That's genuinely. one of our worst drops. That's one if of not our, the worst. I can't. Mulan's, still, Mulan Mulan's be, pretty bad. Yeah, because yeah. that's eighty something to zero. I think. Then maybe. Or is it ninety something to zero? Yeah, it's a big one. That's that's nearly a record for us for sure. Yeah. That is, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Tim, because genuinely. I'm not usually competitive, but there's a whisper, <laughs> there's a whisper gold on the line, and I'm a fat guy, so I, I, I need a whisper gold in my life. Also, I paid for this fucking thing out of my own pocket. Mulan's only an 86% this, drop. This, so might this might be a new record. This might be our this, biggest I think could drop. Be the biggest we've drop. had yeah. a couple of other eggs, but they, we've not had the original B as so highly rated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 94 for speed. I mean, good on speed. Like, yeah. Congratulations, speed. Fair play. Yeah. Yeah. In the first movie, if the bus stopped, everyone would get killed. In this one, if the ocean liner doesn't stop, everyone will get killed. It's a small twist, I grant you, but a decisive one. <laughs> what are you smoking, Roger Ebert? He explains who the characters are. He just got dental surgery and then yeah. came and wrote this review. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Bullock plays the same fetching character she played the first time. Fetching? No, she doesn't. Warm, likeable, stuttering, stuttering a little, calm under pressure. Weird structure of that sentence, Roger. Yeah. Unfortunately, considering she was so crucial to the success of Speed, the screenplay gives her a secondary role and hands most of the best scenes to Patrick, who handles them like a traditional action hero. Uh, sure. Okay. At one point, he puts on scuba gear and dangles inches from a giant spinning prop of the ocean liner. At another point, he shoots a seaplane with a spear gun and reels himself in. These stunts make the original Speed look plausible. So what he's done there, he said, I like it. Let me describe two bad things about this film. <laughs> yeah, this is why it's shit. I don't understand this review. Positive three out of four. The ship itself is, of course, supplied with a cross-section of typical passengers. Rich white people. I added that bit. Who, in addition to the diamond dealers, include a fat acceptance group and a deaf girl who gets trapped in an elevator and can't hear the ship alarm. He doesn't seem to care about the fact that there's a relationship going on there, but can yeah. He's traditional action hero slash pederast. The captain is thrown overboard early in the film after Geiger explains his grievance. Seems like a way somehow to go to the trouble of lodging your complaint with someone who you immediately kill. Why is he bringing... Okay. Least of my worries. It's up to the hero and his girlfriend to save the day. I hate that sentence with all of my soul. I will leave you in suspense as to whether they succeed. I will observe, however, that it's not every day, unless you live in New Orleans, you get to see a ship crashing into a pier. The special effect sequences in the movie are first rate, and especially that one. The one that cost more than the first movie. Yeah. I know some of the houses on shore were models, and that all kinds of fancy techniques were used. But the progress of the ship as it crushes piers, condos, restaurants, trucks and cars 
looks surprisingly real. That's because it is real, Roger. It's a scale model. This isn't a review. Just it, describing this, the film. I like Roger Ebert. We sometimes take the piss, but like he has watched a lot of films. This doesn't like, more than most people in the world, except maybe Matt. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Genuinely, yeah. yeah. He's been a professional film critic for decades. He was the critic for America. Yeah, yeah. This, in many people, reads... he defines this entire profession. Yeah. yeah. This reads like an uncle describing a film that he has seen. Yeah, it's a children's book report. Yeah. 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 Uh, where was I? Rambling oh, yeah. bullshit. And I was and I was grateful to Yander Bont, director of this film and the first one, for not overlooking such touches as the dog who survives. No! No! Ebert. What the fuck, Ebert? Wake the fuck up, old there's man. A there's a reason I saved this one. I chortled a few times. The first was at the digital readout. Why do mad bombers always go to the trouble of supplying them? What? Yep. There's not much room inside the head of a golf club, even a wood, so why waste space on a digital readout? I also chortled a few moments later when the villain pulled out a piece of equipment labelled Fiber Optic Converter in letters so large they could be read across the room. Doesn't mean much, but it sure looks good. He's fine with the copper poisoning! <laughs> and I will long treasure a moment when a computer asks Geiger time to initiate, and he types in now. That is quite good. That's very good. Yeah, fair. Is the movie fun? None None of those things are meant to be intentionally funny. They're all shitty action movie trope stuff. You nailed it. Yeah, Ken. they're not... And also, we talked about the minutiae being weird and it lurks. But we said, but these aren't the structural flaws of yeah. the movie. They're things that are warning signs, red flags, if you will. He's gone, <laughs> that made me chortle. To summarize... How's the, how's the film? To summarize, is the movie fun? Yes especially when the desperate Bullock breaks into a ship's supply cabinet and finds a chainsaw. We didn't mention the chainsaw. We didn't. That she just that. runs around while oh revving. Oh, God, and the no... fucking comedy business of, like, come out, Just turn off the chainsaw. What? <sighs> turn off the chainsaw. Oh, <sighs> Jesus, fuck. I didn't mention that for a reason. Yeah, which I imagine all ships carry. Oh, either, or ever the comedian. Yeah, ships have carpenters, to be fair. And when, and when pleasure boaters somehow fail to see a full-size runway ocean liner until it is three feet from them. Movies like this embrace goofiness with an almost sensual pleasure. And so, like the sensual pleasure of a 14-year-old deaf girl. And so, on a warm summer evening, do I. Three out of four stars. Bear in mind, he rates it out of four stars. This is not three out of five. 75%. This is is 75%. Christ, Ebert. Yeah. One thumb up. That's what he would say. Uh, He gave, him and Siskel gave it two thumbs up on their show. That's not how that works. It's either one thumb down, two thumbs down, one thumb up, two thumbs up. They gave one thumb up each, I guess. One from Cisco, one from Ebert. Fucking hell, their system doesn't work. I get they don't do out of five because I don't like the idea of the middle being three. It's like, "Eh, I'll just sling it there because it means it's good, bad, or very good, very bad. Fair enough. But sometimes films are very just, eh, fine. And he ran a very bad film. I won't read this, but he ran a contest in 1999 for somebody to basically pitch Speed 3 to him because he likes Speed 2 so much. It's a whole thing. Fuck off, Ebert. I'll I'll link it in the show notes. It's yeah, a yeah. whole thing. Anyway, Tim, are you going to keep Roger Ebert happy? No. <laughs> Good. Is this movie fun? No. Is your movie going to be fun? Hopefully, yes. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> so the actual answer to this is don't make a sequel to Speed. Correct. Entirely. But obviously, I have to make a sequel to Speed. It's the remit of the show. Yeah. Yes. Welcome to sequelizers, I'm afraid. Now... Speed 2 Cruise Control does not have Keanu Reeves. 
Yes. It, it lost Keanu Reeves because he took a look at the script and was like, no, Whoa. thank you. I think he I told mean, no. Kimmel. His response was, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, fair. Yeah. yeah. I am hoping that with a better script, Keanu Reeves is still on board. I am retaining him. Bring Canoe back, please. I thank think you that's entirely please, uh, plausible. What I am doing is I'm, because another reason that he didn't want to do it is because he'd just done Chain Reaction, where we, he possibly injured himself doing a stunt Feasibly, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he wanted some time to play with Dogtown? Dog Dog Star. Star. His, Dog Star. His, his band. I'm pushing it back to 1998. Okay. So one year later. One year later. Some time That's to... enough of a recoup just to, time yeah. to yep. cover. Finish the tour. Also, do a few gigs. Not the same year as the highest grossing film of all time. Exactly. <laughs> at, at that point. To that point. Yeah. My film is called Speed 2 Crosstown Traffic. Ah. Oh. I, again? I get it. Does it feature the Jimi Hendrix song? Yes. Nice. I haven't put it in specifically anywhere, Cross but it would definitely traffic. be used. Opening theme, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have replaced Yanderbont. Good. Interesting. I don't think Yanderbont's Yand- so bad, but interesting. Yanderbont's got a weird career. An does, amazing cinematographer, an amazing cinematographer who True. like defined the like late 80s, early 90s look. We yeah. talked about him on Basic Instinct, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Very yeah. talented. Has two amazing first films, Twister and Speed. Huge releases. Yeah. Then does Speed 2 Cruise Control. Which yes. he also co-wrote. Yes. Which, which is, is I think is the big difference the maker there, yeah. Yeah, which is very bad. Then goes on to do The Haunting, which has come up weirdly often this season. <laughs> we have mentioned a few times. Yeah. Uh, which is bad. Very bad. Uh, and Tomb Raider, Lara the Croft. second one. The Cradle of Life. Yeah. Which yes. he had such a bad time filming that he just gave up being a director. Didn't a bunch of people do that with that film? A bunch of people just gave up after the second Tomb Raider movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would. So his his record is actually not great once you get past those first two films. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm jettisoning him. Fair. Who knows? Maybe in this alternate universe he has better luck. Yeah, he doesn't do this colossal fucking mistake. Yeah. Is able to... To rally around, do something interesting. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he directs fucking Alien 4 and everyone loves it. Exactly. The director I have chosen to replace him yeah. is Catherine Bigelow. Very ah, smart. Considering Keanu nice. Reeves, very smart. Yes, she's obviously previously worked with Keanu on Point Break. Yeah. Uh, she would have just done Strange Days uh, just before this. Goes on to do K-19, The Widowmaker, The Hurt Locker, Hurt Locker yeah, Zero Dark Thirty, etc. Returning cast. Mm-hmm. As I've already mentioned, as Jack Traven, Keanu Reeves. Boom! Thank God. And as Annie Porter, Sandra Bullock. Great. Good. The only two we really need. Damn right. Uh, Pretty much everyone else Max, maybe, if you have like a, like, oh, we reference his commanding officer, because he comes back as a cameo in the first Mm. 10 minutes of the the movie. Or if you you bring back Maurice, maybe maybe Tim does, maybe Tim doesn't. As we we go blind into these pitches, maybe Glenn Plummer shows up, maybe he doesn't. We'll find out. New cast. Mm. Hmm. As Rob Balsam, Jason Lee. His name is Robert Paulson. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So at this point, he's basically just done more rats and chasing Amy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this same year, he would do Enemy of the State as well. Oh, yes. yeah, okay. Uh, goes on to do Almost Famous. He's Syndrome in The Incredibles. Yeah. My, name my Name is Earl, yeah. TV. 98, so it, Dogma's the year after, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Interesting, interesting. As Walter Shaw... Mm. Matt Frewer. Oh, yep, classic. Yeah, yep. obviously, probably best known still for Max Headroom. M- 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 Max Headroom. Yeah, mm. uh, was in Honey, I Shrunk <laughs> the Kids. 
uh, also just been in Hercules as the voice of Panic, I believe. Yes. Mm. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah. Goes on to be, he does two Zack Snyder, Snyder films. films. Yes, yeah. Watchmen and Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. Dead. Um, yes, yeah. He's pretty uh, good on, at both, I'm not going to lie. Been on a fair amount of TV, Orphan Black recently, and yeah. several other things. Yeah. Uh, as Lieutenant Julia Garber, Annette Benning. Oh, wow. Yeah, good choice. Um, she's just been in The American President and Mars Attacks. I'm stopping her doing The Siege, which would have come out in 1998. Oh, the Ed Zwick film with mm. uh, Denzel Washington and Bruce Willis. Yes. It's a weird movie. Mm. It is a weird movie. It's a weird movie about a terrorist attack in New York mm. before they knew what that would look like. Yeah. It didn't look like that. It was just like, mm. Mm. yeah, that's a, that's a very, sorry, this is a very strange film. I've got it on DVD. It's, mm. it's yeah. Anyway. Uh, and yes, and then next year she does American Beauty. Excels hugely. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, was in 20th Century Women recently, which was one of my favorite films. You love that year. film. Yep. Yeah. What was that? 2017, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, as uh, Alfonso Benvenuto. Mm hmm. Harold Perrineau. Oh, cool. Yeah. Didn't we have him recently? That's the, the Walt's dad from Lost yes. guy, right? Yeah. That's what you... Interesting. I yeah. might have used him already in something else. I, I feel like one, of, one of us did, and, yeah. And uh, Matrix sequels is what I always think of. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. So he'd just been in Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. He's just started being in Oz, the, yeah, uh, the prison, prison, prison drama thing, yeah, on yeah. HBO. Mm. Goes on to be in the Matrix sequels, Lost. Lost, uh, Also yeah. in Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, ah, there you go. That. Yeah, nice. In the future. Uh, and finally, as Angela Hendricks, mm -hmm. Feruza Bulk. Oh, wow. Yeah, nice. Okay, good show. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, just been in The Craft. Uh, obviously started out in Return to Oz. That uh -huh. was a sequel yes. to uh, yep. The Wizard of Oz. Uh, the terrible Island of Dr. Moreau film oh, that yeah. came out. Goes um, American History X. And yeah, as well American History one. X. Yeah. The Waterboy just showed up in The Craft Legacy as well. Oh, God. Okay. So, fucking Craft Legacy. Yeah. So that is my new cast. Cool. Quite small. There's a, a lot of bit parts in this that would just be decent character actors. Yeah, like, of course. Yes, of course. Interesting. Yeah. Recognizable faces and things. Yeah. Um, the Willem Dafoe's of the world, if you will. Mm. I was going to say, I like that you, and maybe you have in terms of plot, I don't know mm. yet, but I like the idea already where like, you haven't just gone, who's another crazy motherfucker like Dennis <laughs> Hopper? It's like, Gary Busey. Gary Busey. Mm -hmm. No, I think it's interesting because I don't necessarily know who the villain is at this point. Of I the, thought the exact same yeah, thing. I love that it. Could I was trying to work out who the villain be might be. Any of them, really? None of them have got an especially evil name. No. Yet. But they needed Howard Payne. Oh, wait, Payne. Yeah. There interesting. Is, there interesting. is some thematic stuff going on with the names, which I might reveal later. I yeah. I was trying it's to work that out. It's very obscure. Okay. I thought I was there's picking a, up on something. Few, I'm clearly there's not. There's a few tiny. jumps out at me for some reason. In jokes that um that I've put in mainly for myself. <laughs> fair. I do that nods, all the time in my pitches. Nods to stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, the film opens with Annie arriving at LaGuardia Airport in New York City and catching a cab into Manhattan. On the way, she chats with her grumpy cab driver, who complains about the summer heat, the driving of other motorists, and a new mini cab service in the city called Car Swoop, which has been poaching passengers. Oh. As he outlines how many of his other taxi drivers are also angry about Car Swoop which has been undercutting them heavily on prices, Annie nervously agrees and attempts to hide some paperwork she's been checking, which includes an interview offer from Car Swoop. But Tim, she's such a terrible, dangerous driver. <laughs> Fucking, yeah. Interesting. Car Swoop. The cab arrives at Car Swoop's corporate headquarters in a downtown skyscraper, and the driver's already surly mood sours even further. Finally paying attention to Annie, he asks, Hey, 
Don't I know you from somewhere? As she hastily shoves the fare towards him and departs. Annie is welcomed by the receptionist and begins her interview, with the two executives unimpressed by her frequent job and career changes. However, one eventually recognises her as uh, the, the, the bus girl, Annie having become a minor celebrity briefly after the events of the first film. Their disposition improving, the two execs ask her if she's still dating the cop who rescued her, to which Annie says no. God damn, Jason Patrick. <laughs> she's swept off her feet by a young, charming man named Alex, played by Jason Patrick. <laughs> Bold move, Tim. Very interesting choice. <laughs> I made that up, listeners. Don't worry. They ask what happened to him, and Annie says, oh, he's around. Christ, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to Jack Trevor. Oh, yeah, he's okay. At the head of a SWAT team. Yeah, yeah. Descending in an elevator shaft of ropes. Oh, bring it back. Okay, okay. The team enters and clears the 191st Street subway station, which is relatively abandoned, and heads down the train tracks. We learn that a subway car has been hijacked, and... I see Tim's link. <laughs> I knew Garb had rung a bell and Benvenuto did it. You do... Well, no, I'm not saying you do anything, but... Oh. Taking your pal on one, two, three. Damn! <laughs> <laughs> I like the nods. Okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. We learn that a subway car has been hijacked with the kidnappers demanding $3.3 million in return for the passengers. Amazing. So a little less than Dennis Hopper's second demand, but not mm. as much as it was... Well, yes, no, less than his second demand, but higher than his first demand of three, but he chips 3.7 for the inconvenience. As they near the train, Jack defers to the squad sergeant and the team activates their night vision goggles. Again, cool 90s cool. shit. Cool, yeah. Yeah. After quietly observing the kidnappers on the train, the sergeant decides to em- attempt a raid. The SWAT team is able to quickly eliminate three of the kidnappers, but the fourth sets off a flashbang. Oh, God, I night vision and flashbangs. Blinding the SWAT team. Blind and dazed, Jack charges into the subway car to try and take out the kidnapper, who squeezes off a burst of shots at the approaching cop. Yeah, I can see this with like Keanu Reeves coming out and going, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah this, already, I'm in. Yeah. It's great. Already more action and more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I'm, I'm drawn in by the whole, like, Wait, Annie isn't well, Jack anymore? Mm, What's happened? Yeah, 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 great. Jack stops, realizing he's been hit, and the camera pans down to a trio of paintball explosions on his chest. Ah, oh, brilliant. Fuck you, Tim. Why it was VR for a second. Mm. The SWAT sergeant, recovered from the flashbang, takes advantage of the distractor to take out the last quote unquote kidnapper, and the training exercise ends. As they debrief, the team gives Jack, who has become a counter terrorism consultant, shit about getting killed, saying he's meant to be the one with a cool head. He replies that sometimes the adrenaline takes over in the heat of the moment. I like this. Love it. Like this. Yep. Annie's interview, more and more people pop in to see the bus girl. Of course they do. Leading to Annie getting more and more flustered. She tries to return the conversation to the job, but the executives keep wanting to know more about what it was like on the bus, etc. Eventually, the CEO, Walter Shaw, arrives. Annie prepares for another round of questioning on the bus bombing, but he offers to give her a tour of their offices. Once they're clear of the gaggle of employees, he tells her that he assumes she's had enough of reliving that day, and she thanks him for understanding. Shaw shows her around the offices, explain their system. Customers can call a special line, and Car Swoop's revolutionary voice recognition technology can understand their instructions. Definitely science fiction for the 90s, but things the 90s would definitely talk about. Mm-hmm. Remember, computers give you copper poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> There's one thing we've learned, yeah. copper poisoning. Mm. The computers then assign a driver from the company's fleet who is fed a pickup location and destination via a special monitor in the car. You're inventing Uber, Tim. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah. But I can see this kind of thing coming through like, oh, yeah, 
stiffen the working man from a job, you know, your, your motorization and you're too much computers. Why 2K? That's definitely something you could, at the time, very fitting. The system can even send information to drivers to help them avoid traffic or accidents. So it's also GPS. Ways and stuff yeah. like that. Annie asks about the tension with the city's cab drivers, but Shaw dismisses it, saying there are always people who resist change. As the pair tour the offices, we see a shifty-looking employee trigger something on his computer, then slip into the server rooms. It's Dennis Nedry. He's stealing <laughs> the embryos of the dinosaurs. In a lovely little squirty cream can. Yeah. Returning to the reception, Shaw offers Annie a job, saying he's looked over her file, and he's more than certain that she'd be an asset to the firm. She's not just going to be a driver. She's going to be like some PR or something. Yeah, of course. Right, right. Office job, cool. Yeah. Uh, She thanks him, and as she heads to meet her aunt for lunch, he insists on giving her a free demonstration of the car swoop system, calling up from the reception phone to book a driver for her. He encourages her to explore New York, saying that despite owning a car company, he always travels home on the ferry as it offers great views of the city. When she arrives in the building's lobby, the car is already outside waiting for her, driven by the energetic Alfonso. At the NYPD headquarters, Jack is going over his report on the city's counter-terrorism efforts. His liaison with the city, Lieutenant Garber, asks about the incident during the training exercise, noting that, for a consultant, Jack has a habit of putting himself in harm's way. Mm. On character, on point. Jack tells her that people have died because he wasn't there in the past, and he'd rather take a few injuries than see anyone else hurt on his watch. Meanwhile, at the car swoop headquarters, the shifty employee, Rob Balsam, finishes tampering with the servers and slips out of the office and then drinks some of that squirty cream out of that can (laughs) with some embryos in it. As he exits, he calls the car swoop line on his cell phone, telling the automated voice, Crosstown traffic is a bitch. He said the name of the thing and the thing. (laughs) It's done. Crosstown traffic. Kicks in. (laughs) In its robotic voice, it responds with, It sure is, Rob. And a sly smile crosses Rob's face. Again, moving them to, uh, to New York and having it New York cops takes away that whole thing of my whole mm. LA cop problem. I know it cops, cops fuckers, but it's like the same time. It's like, I'm not thinking about that part. Yeah. It's a different city. It's where the stationary, the, the traffic sometimes seems stationary. It's like, yeah, it's a different dynamic. Great so far. Heading through the city, Annie chats with Alfonso, who enthuses about the system. A traffic warning comes through on the car's console, and he redirects their route with Annie noticing that several other car suit cars have also converged on their street. We get some brief scenes inside several of the other cars showcasing the passengers and drivers. Insert so captivating character actors here, right? Yeah. 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 Perfect. Cool. Shows the, the, the smooth brilliance and execution of the system and how they're ahead mm. of the curve. And yeah, brilliant. At the NYPD headquarters, a detective comes to fetch Lieutenant Garber, telling her that something funny is going on with the traffic lights downtown, and Jack follows. They quickly realize that someone is creating a route through the city, holding up traffic to clear the roads. Oh, hacking the system. Hack the planet. <laughs> Fucking Tim's love of hackers. Crossover with hackers incoming. Yep. Johnny Ma- Lee Miller shows up. Matthew Lillard goes by on rollerblades. Oh, I wish. <laughs> I wish. Oh, my God. And says, Zoic school. <laughs> In Alfonso's car, the green on black computer monitor flickers, and the text is replaced with an image of a skull wearing a cowboy hat. <laughs> Brilliant. 90s. That's 90s hacker shit right there. Text then appears saying the car is rigged with a bomb and will explode if they don't reach a destination across town by a certain time. The other assembled car swoop cars all receive a similar warning. Speed in a cab. Fucking hell. We, I was going to say, we're just about far away enough from Die Hard 3 at this point. Yeah. Mm. yeah. There's a lot of 
other nineties influences yeah. in here, yeah, which was I'm kind not... of unavoidable because everything was trying to do Die Hard exactly, on a blank. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not opposed to it at the minute because it's like, own what you're doing. Mm. Yeah, I, I get. I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Alfonso is initially incredulous, but a couple of the cars speed off towards the destination, and he decides to follow. Annie asks what's happening, and as Alfonso relays what he's been told, Annie says, you've got to be kidding me. What are the chances? Bombs! Bombs again? The convoy of cars heads through the relatively clear Manhattan streets, with a few minor incidents along the way. One car, however, heads to its previous destination, with the driver claiming, this will be some punk kid looking to cause a few fender benders to his passengers, a pair of elderly tourists. As the car reaches their destination, the monitor congratulates them. It tells them that this is just the first stop and what will be a very long journey, and they will no longer have the benefit of cleared roads. The countdown ticking down, the car that refused pulls up outside of Tiffany and Co. And as the driver turns in his seat to wish the couple a nice day, it explodes. The NYPD counterterrorism unit begins to scramble, trying to work out what is happening. As the cars speed to their next destination, one of the other passengers calls the police on her cell phone to explain the situation and is patched through. Lieutenant Garber begins trying to clear the streets to the next destination as the car swoop convoy begins the, to encounter traffic, smashing its way through. Meanwhile, Jack and a pair of detectives head to the car swoop headquarters trying to find out who has hacked the system. I can understand why now. You wanted um, the siege to not happen. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we follow the cars along with the various passengers and drivers as they head to the next couple of destinations, barely making it in time. Lots of cutting for back oh, and yeah, forward yeah, yeah. and establishing the characters and the dynamics and stuff cool. like that. People yeah. panicking and all that kind of stuff. Alfonso attempts to use a shortcut to reach one of them, but when his route is blocked, he and Annie have to drive through a shopping mall in order to reach the checkpoint in time. Nice. It, 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 there'd have to be, with New York, yeah. a few roads like, we're not going to make it through here. Yeah. Jack and the detectives arrive at the car swoop HQ to find the employees in disarray, unable to access their systems. Walter Shaw greets the police and offers his full cooperation, saying all they've been able to decode so far is a string of seemingly meaningless numbers. The numbers read, Welcome to the Matrix, Neo. There's meaningless numbers. One of the detectives recognises it as the frequency for a public access TV station, saying his brother-in-law is a real nerd for that kind of thing, and when they check the channel, they find it's broadcasting someone reading a manifesto of sorts. Mm. Shaw recognised the person as Rob Bolson, a Castroop employee who worked on one of the earliest versions of the software. In his broadcast, Balsam states that he is the genius behind all of Carswoop's innovations and demands proper recognition, as well as $10 million to return the system to the company's control. We're up in the money there, I like that. That's yeah. Escalating money requests. Mm-hmm. It's an entrepreneurial shit. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine somebody saying that in the offices. <laughs> That's some entrepreneurial shit right yeah. there. This guy's a goddamn entrepreneur. Yeah. Shaw says that Balsam's claims are nonsense and that paying $10 million would bankrupt the company. Jack loses his temper, telling Shaw that human lives are more important than his company's bottom line. Intimidated, Shaw tells Jack and the detectives they will keep trying to break into the system and will do what they can to get the money together. Jack reports back to Garber as Angela Hendricks, one of the engineers at Carswoop, has a breakthrough and is able to unlock the next checkpoint ahead of it being sent to the cars. Jack realizes it's close by and heads there to intercept the convoy. 
Annie and Alfonso reach their latest destination and begin heading to the checkpoint where Jack is waiting, but one of the other cars crashes just before reaching the right spot. The driver and passenger try to escape, but the car detonates, killing them both. At the next checkpoint, Jack attempts to clear the area of traffic and climbs up some scaffolding, using it to drop onto the cars as they pass underneath. Big stunt. Mm. He lands on the bonnet of Alfonso's car, and he and Annie both exclaim utter shock at their reunion. <laughs> nice. I, I like fucking hell. That feels like an actually interesting and amusing crossover as opposed to, oh, I'm doing my driving test. I just happen to come <laughs> yeah. across this. Also, I like the idea that in the chaos of seeing all these yellow, well, I, see, I don't know if the cabs are all, I assume they look the same. They're not yellow cabs. Yeah, they'd be, they the they'd be yeah, uniform. Uniform. So we don't know which one's blowing up and yeah, which time. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, no, it's not that one this time. Yeah, that, mm. that's cool. Jack makes his way inside the car, and his and Annie's astonishment quickly turns into the two bickering. Of course it does. Much to the annoyance of Alfonso, I can really imagine him being like, wait a minute, you two know each other? <laughs> yeah. You know him? He knows you? Yeah. Freaking out. Yeah, this works. It reminds them that they have bigger problems. Jack begins to search the car, looking for a way to disarm the explosives, but a message arrives over the monitor, saying that police interference is not allowed, and now the last car to reach each checkpoint will be destroyed even if it gets there on time. Some sore shit right there. Up in the States. If, if Jigsaw had a cowboy hat. <laughs> the race... I fucking hate the idea of him in a cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> it was a corpse all along with a cowboy hat. <laughs> the game over. See you next time. <laughs> the race across the city quickly descends into chaos as each of the cars attempts to pull ahead of the other. Jack, Annie and Alfonso fall behind when one of the other cars sideswipes them, but manages to catch back up, passing the checkpoint just ahead of another car. Their relation quickly turns to regret and guilt, however, as the other car reaches the destination and explodes, killing the driver and passenger. Yeah, so they're taking a bullet, Keanu. Yeah, they're surviving and then but condemning the others to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's at what cost kind of thing. That's yeah. interesting. Jack radios Garber, saying that the race cannot be allowed to continue much longer. Garber orders a raid of Balsam's apartment, but the SWAT team is unable to find him, just a bunch of equipment from Car Swoop. As the SWAT team exits, Balsam's nosy landlady complains that he's left a bunch of his junk down in the basement. The team investigates, disarming a booby trap left behind, and finding the makeshift studio where Balsam's manifesto was shot, as well as Balsam's corpse, recently strangled. Oh, Tim! Tim. Twist! Beautiful twist. I was not expecting, legit was not expecting that. Back at the car swoop headquarters, Angela has headed to the roof to smoke and work on her laptop, as, as you do in the 90s. She manages to decode another chunk of Balsam's software and realizes that he would need high-level access to pull off his plot. Realizing the implications, she goes to head back down to the office, only to open the door to find Walter Shaw, a sneaky mm. fucking CEO. You're not going to get a corporate guy be a good guy in a 90s movie it's it's driving up the prices yeah yeah. Shaw says that Hendrix always was a little too smart for her own good and chases her to the edge of the roof beginning to strangle her she manages to break free for a moment and send a message via her computer before Shaw throws her off the roof she it's better edited than the captain being thrown off the boat (laughs) yeah we can only assume he doesn't then take a photo with some other employees straight away afterwards excuse me mr shaw can we have a photo (laughs) i imagine late 90s she's using that sort of similar thing like the computer messenger service and scream i'm in trouble yeah in the car jack is able to locate the bomb but he's unable to reach it at least doesn't fucking hit the fuel line this time 
He has to walk the smaller Annie through identifying the parts as she hangs out of the speeding car, with Jack holding onto her legs to prevent her from falling out. <laughs> Music, dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, dun. Impressive, Snake. 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 Snake! After a tense sequence, Jack realizes the radio triggers on the bomb are vulnerable to interference if certain elements are reset. He talks Annie through the process in the car and then, working with the other drivers, goes from car to car, resetting the other bombs. Mm. Makes better scene than just like, what does the grenade say? Here's the serial number of the grenade. Oh, oh my God, God, I'm going to use the grenade. Yeah, so obviously this would be a big stunt sequence of Keanu oh, bouncing from, from car yeah. to yeah. car and, oh, and yeah, 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 disarming cool. yeah. stuff. That's going to look very impressive. While they're all heading through the New York streets trying oh, to get to... It's imagining... going to be filmed in camera, whereas like in The Matrix it was like, oh my God, that's the most astonishing thing I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. I was imagining the minority report moment with all the, the kind of yeah, cars yeah. moving like in synchronicity yeah, yeah. and then jumping from one to another and mm. stuff. Once all five of the remaining cars are set, he directs the convoy through Times Square, where the interference from the neon signs severs the bomb's connection, restoring the system to normal. Mm. Jack, now back with Annie and Alfonso, radios in to report his success. Garber tells him that they've received a message revealing Shaw was behind the bombing and Balsam was just his fall guy, but they've been unable to locate Shaw. Annie remembers Shaw's mention of the Staten Island Ferry and the trio head there. Goddamn boats again. Boats. Back to boats. But on the way, Alfonso realises that with all the damage the car has accrued, the brakes are no longer working. Shit. We can't slow down. (laughs) We're picking up some speed, if you will. And some cross town traffic. Reaching the ferry port just as it departs, the car sails over the gap in some physics defying leap that yep. is yep. impossible in real life but reflects the first speed film and crashes onto the ferry. So, too fast, too furious. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. The best one, right, guys? Shut up, the Jack. One, the one we fixed. <laughs> Exiting the now destroyed car, Jack and Annie work their way through the ship, searching for Shaw, but he gets the drop on Jack. Holding Traven at gunpoint, Sean forces him to disarm himself, sliding the gun across the deck. Annie finds the pair, asking Sean why he'd ruin his own company this way, and Sean explains that the firm has been running at a loss since it started, kept aloft by investors who he's convinced otherwise. This way, he can blame the firm's collapse on Balsam and escape with the investor's cash. Mm. Stuck in a standoff, Jack tells Annie that he never stopped loving her. Ah. And that he's sorry they weren't able to work out their differences. And he proposes. Yeah, <laughs> he signs that to her. <laughs> oh, God. He also mentions he's going to be 15 next month. <laughs> <laughs> Keanu Reeves, 15 next month. He's immortal, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did I say 15? 15. 100. 100. <laughs> he then tells her to remember Harry. Oh, fucking hell. Oh. And Annie dies for Jack's gun, shooting him in the knee, then shooting Shaw twice. Nice. He falls backward off the ferry, and his briefcase full of embezzled cash falls open, scattering into the wind. Of course it does. (laughs) In the aftermath, Annie accompanies Jack as he is stretched off the ferry, telling him that this might finally cause him to slow down long enough for them to have a chance. While in the background, Alfonso does his best to grab the cash blowing in the wind. Hey, (laughs) typical cab driver. Credits roll. Nice. Um, Tim, I don't necessarily like it. I think Speed 2 Cruise Control is better. <laughs> you stole my joke, oh, Matt. You, st- you stole my joke. No, I think it's great. I think uh, Speed does not need a sequel. This is a very good sequel. I think it takes a lot of things from other movies, which some people go, mm, I don't know if I like that. I don't need that. Yeah, but it's still 
so much better than what we got. Mm -hmm. And it's compelling and entertaining. It in the same way that speed is quite cliche in what it does, but it does it so well, it doesn't matter. Mm. This does that really well. It's callbacks to the first film. It sets the character up. The characters aren't just like everything's fucking perfect because they acknowledge that, you know, they are different. The coincidence of them both being in New York and both being in the same thing is is a conceit the film will just go. And it's an action movie. Fuck yeah. yeah. So did they move to New York together? Or was there that kind of thing? Or no. they split up and then it's coincidence they both ended up yeah, there? Yeah, they, they've split up. He's been like traveling around the country dealing with different police departments. As a consultancy stuff. thing, As a yes. Consultant. Yeah, that makes sense. And she's been kind of pretty much in LA and... Bouncing from career away to career. Trying to do, trying yeah. to do yeah. different jobs and then dealing with the fact that she'd become this like celebrity... Um, whereas he'd kind of been like, well, he's a cop, that's his job. Mm. He goes less people, needed. less yeah. people paid attention to him. Yeah. Um, and um, and then she happens to go for this job in New York. She's like, I need a fresh start. I've mm. come here to New York to go for this thing. I think. Um, so yeah, mm. it's it's coincidence that they've ended up there. Which yes, is again, a lot that's to... so cinema. That doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really have a fault with that at all. I don't really have a problem with that. Um, because again. It's the fucking era. It's how it would have been. And it wouldn't have been just like, oh, well, why don't you just move to bumfuck nowhere or like Chicago? Like, <laughs> no, it wouldn't be. It would be New York. It wouldn't mm. be Boston or Philly. It, feasibly, in 1998, it's New fucking York City. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it makes sense as well, the whole cab stuff again. And you got the New York cab thing that's like an iconic thing that people know across the world. Mm. And you get to put your own little twist on it with the car swoop stuff. Mm. So I think that's mm. a really nice way of kind of you know, doing the kind of branding of it all, but keeping a recognizable New York thing about this movie, which yeah, works yeah, really well as well. I, I would say from a 2021 point of view, the only th- inverted commas negative is like this pitch feels more 2010s because it's like the corporate side of it, the upcoming Uber kind of thing. Mm. That's contemporary. Mm. But in 90s paranoid science fiction kind of stuff, it's completely plausible. It's I mean, completely there. That makes I'm, sense. I mentioned Minority Report. It's only three years before Minority exactly, Report. Yeah. Three or four years before Minority Report at this point. Mm. I think you're in that era, again, with the the Matrix happens a year after this. Yes. Mm. You're getting towards that kind of cyber kind of... It's mm, not AI remote control cars. It's no. just sci-fi stuff. Yeah. So that's not that outside the realm of prospecting. Yeah. yeah. If they were remote controlling it, I think that's a step too far. But that's I think you... You, Tim, struck the balance there where you agree, have yeah. the yeah. kind of the intercommunications and they're, you know, they're able to communicate across the network and all mm. that kind of stuff. But there's no like, yeah, step too far. You don't go too hammy and bullshitty with the sciencey stuff. Mm. He's not got leeches sucking copper out of his blood. <laughs> I know I, I'm yeah. joking there, but there's no. none of that like, the fuck are you talking about? This, yeah. like, I mean, I, I admit, I was like, yeah, I'm basically inventing Uber, like. Evil Uber, evil, aka well, Uber, aka Uber, Uber yeah. like fifteen years before it does. But, but that's but, the thing; it's still a film where it's put in as a science fiction concept. It's, it's like yeah. it's not impossible. And also, more importantly, I mentioned that the Y two K thing. People are terrified computers are going to take over and suddenly go. Oh my yeah. god, I'm now going to kill someone because my toaster I mean, told me to. Fucking Sandra Bullock, you've had the net. The net. Oh yeah, 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 yeah come yeah, out yeah. where it's like, oh, you know, you can order a pizza over the computer, but is it, do, maybe that makes us, you know shut-ins disconnected from society yeah and at the time we were like she's just well 10 years after that we were just like she's just ordering a pizza over your computer and then you mm. look at society today and you go oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel seen yeah yeah um, I, I, it, so again it's easy to say from a 2021 lens maybe not but it's like no fuck you the 90s were 
horribly backwards at times, obviously, in terms of like, oh, the threat's going to be Russia. It's like, mm. Mm, no. But there's also, if you look at Tomorrow Never Dies from like a year before, it's like, mm. what's the big major threat? Uh, the news manipulating headlines yeah. to change stock in, but it's like, oh, that that feels really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. manipulating I mean, politics we, that we, shit. Yeah. We made a joke about hackers and there is, yeah, like, like yes. definitely the, the whole controlling the traffic lights is basically taken directly from that. That's yeah. like five years old at that point. So, mm. exactly. You know, there's, there's, and, and like you say, I've drawn on various other like 90s stuff, but it's almost, if you're doing a sequel to Speed, it's almost impossible not to bump up against some other of course. 90s stuff because everyone was trying to recreate speed and die hard. If you'd have told me your pitch was basically the pitch of speed that we all mm. know and love, we'd have go, it's very die hard, dude. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it, Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, of course it is, but you're playing into this genre. Mm. It's like you're going to, as we have all experienced across this entire season with Conan and Maleficent and other bits and pieces, you're going to have genre tropes that people want to see. Mm. I think you've done it again for a film that doesn't need to exist. I think you've made a very entertaining <laughs> sequel. Um, I assume no speed three. Oh, no, no, no. Well, the father Ted episode. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> the father Ted, and obviously the one that someone wrote to Roger Ebert. Yes. Um, yes. No, I think, I think that, again, Bigelow would make that property a little bit, not full on Michael Mann, but a bit more grounded, a bit more mm. tense and gritty. Think, and then move to New York makes that work. She'd as well. get the, she'd be able to balance out some of the more, Again, it's not really sci-fi, but but future-looking elements mm. of it. She would root it back down to earth. Yes, she'd get the kind of the gritty nature of it. I think she'd do the stunts incredibly well. Like she's like with Point Break and stuff. Yeah, Point Break and exactly, you know, yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff. I think any any amount of the the nature of the script is, and again, we always say this is that like certain things that would take up huge chunks of the film, you just kind of go like, there's a tense sequence where yeah, Sandra Bullock's hanging out of the car trying to disarm or trying to identify this bomb while Keanu is like hanging onto her, mm. and that takes you know twenty words to say, but it's like seven minutes of film with them weaving in and out of traffic and yeah. Harold Pirino going like, what the hell are you doing back there? Yeah. Kind of stuff. Pull that woman back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, again. It's a sequence in Enemy of the State. It's a sequence in Mercury Rising. Mm. It's all these things like, yeah, or, or even fucking under siege sort of yeah. thing. It's like, it's like, yeah, I can see these things happening. So yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's a really good job, Tim. Um, I can't think of a lot of changes I would need or want to make. Because, I'm racking my brains for that now. Yeah, look, looking over the cast, I'm rereading the pitch. Cast like, ground, yeah. everything's good. The stakes I mean, I, are there. I think I, you know. It, this was this ended up being quite a long pitch. It's like two and a half thousand words. Oh yeah, of course, of course. Because there's quite a bit of like exposition and and all that kind of stuff. I'd like to like strengthen just like both Jack and Annie's like emotional arcs, both separately and together. Yeah. But yeah. I wanted to get into the idea of him has got a bit. I, I mean, already in the first film, he's a bit cavalier. But like mm. this idea of like he's got almost like a little bit of a death wish. Um, Point break. Mm. Yeah. Um, to that to mm. that he's like, I'm not going to let any other people die. And then he's forced in this situation where he's kind of almost got to. He's like... Well, you do that quite nicely with the establishing of the start for the training. It's like, mm. you sacrifice yourself. It's like, yeah, of course I did. Mm. It's like, I mean, I get it. That's not really doing the job very well because you're supposed to be protecting and serving, but also... Yeah making sure you're alive to keep doing that job. Yes. A dead cop doesn't help. Yeah, and that's going to be the kind of the thing that they get stuck in is that, like, the only way they're going to stop this is through mm. him and, and partially Annie because she's kind of been through this before. Correct, yeah. So they kind of have to survive, but it means 
sentencing this other car to death at that point. Yeah, exactly. Um, and exactly. so, you know, and that's that's going to weigh on him. And then, obviously, at the end, he's like, shoot me like I once shot Harry, basically. Yes. No, that was, um, was a nice callback. I like that. Uh, yeah. And then for Annie, I wanted to, just through the idea that she's been kind of lost since this has happened to her mm. um, and doesn't really know what to do with her life, but kind of realizes that she's almost sort of like good at this kind of stuff <laughs> yeah um, in the I same way know. that if she ended up being um a similar consultant for stress management situations yeah, yeah. And how to control these things and it wouldn't surprise me at all i think that, yeah yeah I, I think the fact that you've got her trying to get away and she's not just like a fucking idiot yeah that was an important thing to me she mustn't yeah. just be an idiot in this yeah film. No, I think you've handled it well. I think it's. I think. I think everyone would agree that's a really solid pitch to an almost impossible task. So, going out of the season with a high, man. Well done. Well done, Tim. Another mm. strong season finale, following up from your Mortal Kombat season finale <laughs> as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was particularly good. Yeah, listeners, if you have any ideas for any other things you what want to, what kind of public transportation would you speed put up on a canoe? Not gonna lie. Thought you're gonna do subway train thing at first when, I you, did when a, you teased it. At I the did a obviously. lot of research into subway stuff, and then I was just like, "A, the first film ends on a subway, so it, it would does. be kind of recreating that, and also mm. they're on tracks, so it's fundamentally less interesting. There's less you can do. Yes. So I ended up switching it so that the sub. I kind of mirrored, mirrored the structure of Speed, where you yeah, have, so I can see there's definitely you a, have, yeah. You have opening a, an scene. opening action yep. scene. You have the end on the ferry, yep. and then you have the main chunk, which is with the the vehicle that actually has the bomb. Yeah, on. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you teased the boat with the ferry, Tim. I did mm. tease the boat mm-hmm. with the ferry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you mentioned earlier about the like the very start of the 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 pitch and talking about the whole the ferry at one point. I was like, hmm. yeah. The boat <laughs> <at one laughs> point. Hmm. And you mentioned the power station at the open of the film. I wonder where the finale is going to yeah. take place. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it's and yes, there were there were a few nods in character names to the taking of Pelham one two three. Yes. Also, the ransom that's demo- that like the fake ransom mm. in the training exercise of three point three million is if you take uh, they demand one million in taking of Pelham one two three in nineteen seventy four. Yes, if you adjust for inflation Fuck's in nineteen ninety eight, it's three point three million. Hilarious, <laughs> there it is. well done. I thought it was like the equidistant amount between three and three point seven that <laughs> yeah. does this hopper <laughs> demands. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's you're right though it's it's like speed on a train it's like yeah taking pedal one two three and under siege two yeah yeah I guess speed on a boat it's like obviously speed two doesn't really work yeah and again under, under siege, siege. yeah like, okay speed in a plane Air Force One Con like, Air Con Air is like that money plane executive decision yeah <laughs> speed on a spaceship it's like no. Yeah. That's first contact. Speed on a space station. <laughs> Star Trek first contact. Um, no, a speed on a submarine. It's like, I, I think the multiple aspect makes it interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was an interesting way. And, and, and I think there's a nice, vi- again, where you have these cars where even though they're not going to be yellow taxi cabs, they're all going to have the same kind of livery on them, you know. Yeah, yeah, design yeah. Them. So they kind of resemble taxi cabs, but are legally distinct from, and that's part of why it's all riling up the taxi drivers and stuff mm. like that. Of course. But to have them all as this, like almost like a battering ram formed of cars, a fleet again, going through, it's like yeah. a nod to like one of I think the most recent Fast and Furious has yep. like the self-driving the cars, cars that yes, are used yeah. like almost like a battering ram and Charlie like, Theron's yeah sort of yeah. 
similar to that, but less coordinated because they're not actually being remote controlled. There's, it's just they all have to go to the same place. Yeah. So occasionally they break up and it's almost like a shoal of fish moving through the city. And it's 1997. Mm. That's going to be practical and very expensive and look very good. Yeah. But cheaper than but Speed che- 2. But God, che- yes. Fucking <laughs> hell. Fucking cheaper than Speed yeah, 2. Jesus. Fucking hell. Well, if you have any thoughts, listeners, please do hit us up on social media. If you somehow are that guy who defends Speed 2 cruise control. Get in the fucking sea. Yeah. Jump off the boat. Get in the sea. Be edit- badly edited off. into the rotor. And sucked into the rotor. <laughs> exactly. Don't let us know. We don't want to hear that shit. We had that one guy defend Son of the Mask and it's uh, scarred me for life. But if you would like to discuss Tim's fantastic pitch or any of the other pitches from this season, you can go to Sequelizers on all of the social medias. You can come and join our Discord and you can basically chat with us. The three of us are in the Discord straight away after an episode goes live for patrons and when it goes live on the Tuesday for the public release on all the podcast platforms. We basically do a little after show Q&A stuff and people are... They're pretty good with spoilers, actually, to be fair. Really good spoiler Spoiler tags on Discord and all that kind of stuff. So if you're not up to date yet, but you want to jump in the conversation, you don't have to feel pressured to kind of get in it straight away. All the links for that are on sequelizers.com. There's also links for our live streams and our shop and our little bios and all the podcast platforms and all that good stuff as well. I'm JLW Chambers on all the social medias. You probably know that by now. If you haven't already, get on it. Matthew, how can people follow you on social media? Stocks, S-T-O-G-H-Z. You can go to cheesemint.com and see the things that I make. You can go to redrighthand.co.uk and see the things that I review. Tim, pub quiz. <laughs> I want to find you online. What do I do? What do I do? <laughs> you go to trivia underscore lad on Twitter and follow me there for all my assorted nonsense and anything interesting that I might be up to. Give me $3 million, Tim. <laughs> I would if I could, Matt. I would if I oh, could. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Speaking of interesting things we're up to, when we return for our interseason in the new year, we're back with the Patreon goal project. Dun, dun, dun. We crossed that threshold. We're doing Batman. <laughs> we're doing a trilogy of interseason episodes about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. People have asked us to fix Ant-Man 2 and Thor 2 and Iron Man 2 and all kinds of stuff within that, but we thought it's too big. We can't Mm. just fix one of them without that ripple in the pool affecting everything else around it. We're tackling the whole thing across a trilogy of episodes Something we've we've never really done before. We're not fixing a film. We're fixing a universe. Yes. We've got to rope it all off and say, this area is cordoned off for a while. And we need to fumigate that shit. There's going to be some recasting. There's going to be some rejigging, some rewriting, some discussion of it as a whole. Some what we would like to see from the future. A little tying into sequels we'd like to see. It's not just going to be us fixing, you know, the bad Marvel movies or whatever. It's going to be a big, huge project Kind of like nothing we've ever done before on Sequelizers. I'm very excited. It's a retrospect. It's an overhaul. It's a look to the future. It's everything. Yeah. Yeah. Be excited to that three-part special coming in the new year. I'm scared and excited. Mm. And once that three-part special is over, you still then get a full interseason. Full interseason. All our usual episodes of sequels we'd like to see, us discussing interesting topics, 
we'll have listener feedback back. Some Patreon yeah. picks so, as well. Yeah, if you want to get uh, your emails sent to us ready for that, you can start now and we'll start collating them. Yeah, sequelizers at gmail.com. There is a question and answers channel in the Discord, especially for this reason. So, yeah, get your questions in now and later on in the interseason. We'll answer them for you. Mm. Some people had some cool quizzes for us and weird personal questions and stuff. Take it all. We'll uh, we'll take it all. We'll answer whatever you throw at us. And we'll also have a poll going up soon. If you are a Patreon supporter of £10 or higher, you'll be able to help choose one of the films we do in, holy crap, season 10. Season 10. That's insane. I'm so ready for season 10. That's cool. And uh, yeah, next year, season 10, season 11, season 12, it will be our five-year anniversary of the first episode of Sequelizers in May. And uh, we have something special lined up already for that. We yeah. have some plans. We might make oh. some more plans. We'll make Who some knows? more plans. We're working on some stuff. We've got, mm. As well as the Marvel project, we're working on some other stuff as well. And uh, you'll hear it first Jack's here sign on Sequelizers. <laughs> I'm learning sign language for the podcast, as you understand. But until then, listeners, thank you ever so much for listening. If you do have a break at this time of year, please enjoy your break. I know I'm looking forward to my time off and just uh, relaxing, seeing friends and family and all that kind of stuff. Watch some actually to. good films. Yeah, yeah. Go yeah. and watch some good films. Don't don't watch bad sequels. Go and watch the good film. If you haven't already, go and watch Speed. Yeah. Lovely little holiday film. It's great. It. Yeah. And uh, yeah, have a lovely time. We'll be back very soon in the new year with our Marvel epic project thank you so much for your support throughout the season yeah i've loved i've loved season nine it's been amazing whether you're a patreon supporter or not you make the show what it is thank you for everyone who's just taken the time to listen Mm. to an episode if you've taken the time to recommend it to friends or family or whoever thank you so much that's the best way for us to grow our listenership Um, yeah personal recommendations are the best kind yeah. of advertising so that, that's uh, the we, endorsement we, people genuinely respect yeah mm. we really appreciate that yeah I, t- I mean it's been i know we've been going for quite some time now as a as i think but for the last two years since the season five relaunch every single week we have given up a new episode two plus hours long yeah plus extra content it's been i mean i know you all are very grateful and appreciative for that because i know people are very much like coming back with so much positive feedback which is fantastic for us but it's been hard <laughs> through a not only just in general to meet a weekly deadline but a pandemic mm. so we're, we're quite we'd like to take a moment just to say like that's impressive for us but we're so grateful that you are here to listen to it yeah you've and stuck that gives with us, us yeah exactly so it's been it's been emotional motherfuckers yeah mm. we ain't going nowhere we're just oh taking, i thought we were done we're just taking a little break <laughs> and we'll be back very soon yeah don't you worry See you in 2022. See you in 2022, motherfuckers. Space year 2022. Through the the blue sky portal!